1: Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Brighton Rock Podcast with me, your host Russell Giver, giving you the big Albion preview ahead of the big kickoff this weekend. Um, with me this time, no Peter, he's too busy at the moment, but I have brought back into the equation Mr. Jack Phillips. Hello, Jack.
2: Lovely to be here, Russ. Good to see you.
1: Excellent. We also have the lovely Margaret back with us. Hello, Margaret Willis. How are How are you, madam? <laughs> Hi, Russ, and Very well. Excellent. And we have to complete this wonderful call to a debut, uh, a debutant. It is R- Richie Mills, who writes for the Sussex Live. Hello, Richie.
3: Hi, thanks for having me on. How are you guys?
1: Absolutely fine. Yeah. Yeah. All the better for seeing you and uh, welcome to the show. Um, we thought it'd be good to get you on, particularly at the timing now, because, of course, it's the big build up to the season. There's a lot of articles you've been, you guys have been writing in terms of transfers and Obviously, we had the friendlies to cover as well. So I'll get your opinions on on various bits to do with that as we go along. Um, probably starting with you, actually, because you've not been on before. Tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you come to write for Sussex Live and, and any more interesting bits of information?
3: Uh, OK, um, so I guess um, from a fairly early age, I realised I wasn't going to be a professional sportsman. Um, so I... Uh, yeah, I basically, I think I started, uh, I started my own kind of blog during university and then, um, did a bit of work experience, um, and then did this journalism course called New Associates in Wimbledon. And it was, um, like 40 weeks long and it, uh, it was a mixture of work experience and then I did did my shorthand, which was brutal, uh, passed on the eighth time of asking. Nobody (laughs) beats Richie Mills eight times in a row um uh and yes I passed that and then I went into news journalism um in the southwest I started out in Wiltshire then made my way to Bath and Bristol and then uh funny enough well not funny but um weirdly enough there was um nearly two years ago uh reached the company I worked for they announced like mass redundancies and um loads of people's jobs were put at risk and then randomly they they I just saw these internal vacancies for um there was a, a new Brighton website um there was a Crystal Palace one as well um and uh and a Watford one and um I I think I got interviews for all of them but then they said we'd like you to do the Brighton one um so yeah I started september twenty twenty um and to be able to obviously the pandemic was pretty rubbish from for pretty much everyone um so to have something to sort of look forward to every single weekend obviously there were no fans but it was i just felt like so like privileged and lucky to to report on an actual football team like it was just like mad it's just a kid's dream really um getting to see you know Bryson every week and um yeah going to all the stadiums and I honestly just felt like a little every time I walked around like into the Amex I just had like felt like a little kid at Christmas it was just such a privilege um uh yeah and I've been doing it ever since and um now it's really cool because we get to do in-person press conferences instead of like Zoom where you could pretty much just turn up in your dressing gown if you wanted you didn't really feel like a proper journalist um so now what I love is go into press conferences and um really and I going to the, the Brighton training ground as well and yeah it's um well, in your dressing love- <laughs> room yeah <laughs> yeah um, that would be interesting you should
1: try that one week
3: <laughs> <laughs> hello graham <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah it's just um I I love it um I'm very very fortunate to it so yeah that's that's me
1: Fantastic, and you were saying off air, not originally from the, or not not originally a Brighton fan, but you've taken them on as your second team. That's good to hear as well. I suppose you naturally have some kind of affiliation, don't you? Over time, if you keep covering the team, and obviously, I guess, subsidiarily, subsidiary, you want them to do well, don't you? Essentially, anyway, and um, it's been good times as well. You've been covering a good era, that's for sure. Um, it's been the rise and rise, our highest ever finish last season, ninth. we're hoping to try and achieve something along those lines this year. Um, Getting into the subjects then for discussion, we've obviously got to talk about the transfers, first of all. Um, I'll start with the outbounders, because obviously um, those are the ones which particularly could affect us in terms of our position, depending on how people step up, how people adjust, or what signings we might make. Um, The big three signings monetarily, I can see, are Eve Basuma. Who's been reportedly for 25 million? Something that might rise. We're hearing to 35 million. Um, he's gone to Tottenham. He was in the last year of his contract. We we're fully expecting him to go. That was kind of business that everyone was happy enough with, albeit that we're sorry to see him go. And I know Jack, you actually had him down as your, and I think your dad did, as man of as a player of the season, rather than Kukurea, who pretty much everyone else seemed to to vote for. Um, no doubt those two were the two top players. Um, I would say on. Overall ratings. Um, so to lose this was expected, but disappointing nonetheless. Um one other one is, of course, Leo Leo Ostergaard, who went for, I think it's nine million, potentially rising to 10, who's gone to Napoli, which is a fantastic bit of business. I think it's something like the fifth highest sale ever of an Albion player, something like that. And he's not played a first-team game for us. He's been on some credible loans. Um, most recently in Italy with Genoa, which has no doubt grabbed the attention of the team he's gone to, Napoli. But nonetheless, that's an incredible bit of business, isn't it? We've got to say on that one. Um, I mean, who who wants to go first on on those two signings or
2: sales, I should say? Um, I'm very uh, sad to see Eve go, but I think it was inevitable. And and I'm really happy that he's ended up at, um, you know, a Champions League club um, and that, but I think uh, when we when we beat Spurs at, at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium um, uh, a few months ago, uh, I texted my cousin because, of course, all my family are, are North Londoners and Spurs fans. I uh, texted my cousin and I said, you should buy the this summer because he's a hell of a lot better than Harry Winks. And uh, I think... You know, Tottenham have made some really astute signings, and uh, assume is another one of them. But I also think it's a good deal for for the club for for a player with a year left on his contract, um, uh, as is Ostergaard, which is astounding. Really, we signed him for what hundred thousand I think it is, and yeah. and sold him for you know nine or ten million. That's uh, uh, a good money ball working, isn't it?
1: Yes, yeah, superb. And maybe they could actually beat us in Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Yeah, and maybe one day,
4: yeah. <laughs> well, um, I
0: think the thing about this, though, is that um, we have we've had time. It's been a, a something we knew was going to happen. We we negotiated for it. We we've got it. We've we've got kind of potential people to replace. Um, in as you say, is just a, a plus, really. I mean, out of nowhere, quite quite incredible. I, I mean, it just shows when once you become a Premier league club even if you are a club like Brighton that you begin to have that kind of kudos and uh, people start taking your your players more seriously.
1: Yeah I mean Richie we, we mentioned about the rise and rise during the time you've been covering them and I think what Margaret said kind of ties in with that doesn't it but I think that does have a little bit of an impact possibly on on the transfer figures maybe who knows that extra kudos of being a Premier League player or at the Premier League club maybe maybe that helps I don't know well what do you think do you, how, how have you seen the perception of the Albion change in your time doing the job
3: um, well I guess uh, one thing that's probably been a constant is the fact that um, you know you, you can't get a, a bargain out of Tony Bloom you know he holds steadfast on on his stances um, which is good to see but um, yeah I guess uh, the first game I covered sorry to bring this one up but it was um Brighton two, Manchester United three. When they restarted the game, which almost made the final whistle seem obsolete, You're just like what this doesn't mean anything anymore. Ooh. I remember jokingly asking my dad, like on the first game, I was like, "Are all games like this, Papa?" Um, <laughs> but um, I, I guess uh, the kind of yeah, the the transformation in terms of obviously uh, you know, they were kind of in and around the relegation zone to now being a, a you know a top ten club, I guess that trajectory is is you know very it's unbelievable but uh, yeah this that we saw the quality of players come in Kukurea and then I still think Muepu can be fantastic Uh, on on occasion I think against Arsenal last year he was like brilliant like it was just fantastic to watch Um, so I I guess in terms of there's just a number of factors you've got uh, a coach that um, is getting you know plaudits left right and centre he's been linked with you know Manchester United Tottenham Arsenal you name it um and then you've got you know um a very clear pathway for for the um the the youth players and the younger players coming through um which is maybe something you don't get at other teams um and then as Jack said sort of you've got the money board approach where you've you've got um you know um buy low sell high so I think all these factors are just putting in in Brighton's favour and I think that's um and there's so many people involved in that you know starting with Dan Ashworth as well obviously, you know, club. the but I think there's just every single thing seems like Brighton just a very well run club and everything is going in the right direction and that's becoming a more and more attractive sort of sell to people it's not so much of a hard sell now it's just like okay this is this is a very progressive club and and this is a place that you know you can you can do well and if you want to go into a big club you can but hopefully you know this will be in the years to come it might be a case of we come to Brighton and then we stay at Brighton because that's that's yeah. it. So
1: that, that would be the ideal, wouldn't it, if we can get to that level? Because I, I do I completely agree with you. I think succession planning and uh, a, a progressive club that is seen to provide opportunities, those are the two main elements that are, I think, working so well for us at the moment. We've lost Dan Ashworth. We've brought in David Weir. I mean, it's very early days, but it seems like he's hit the ground running. He's carrying himself well, saying all the right things. The... The transfer policy seems to be working still. Um, It looks like it'll be a good fit. Um, He's obviously been um, grounded into it gradually as well by being uh, in the role in a temporary basis. That's great. Um, You you imagine much as we wouldn't like to lose Graham at any point, eventually that will happen. And when it does, you just know that we're likely to get a manager that on the Mm -hmm. the very least looks like it should be a sensible fit. And with a little bit of luck will be. Um, hopefully that's into the long term. But yeah, if, at every level of the club from Paul Barber, David Weir, everybody on the women's side of the game, which we'll get onto in a more detail a bit later today. Um, the players that are coming in, um, you know, they, they come in, they know they can improve themselves under Graham. They can learn a lot more. They can enjoy their time in a place like Brighton. And then they do get the opportunities to, to move on. Um that brings us neatly onto the uh, the other transfer speculation, which of course is all around Mark kukorea, the player who was voted Player of the Season last year, his only season with us, Um talk about hitting the ground running. Um, well, he hit the ground very early when he got and um, he got whacked at Brentford. Um, welcome to welcome to football in in the Premier League, I think um, Lewis Dunk said to him. Um, but you know, he, from there on, he stepped up. He took to it pretty quickly. We found out when he scored the Man United goal that he. He'd had some trouble settling in some respects, but in terms of his football on the pitch, he he was absolutely superb. We obviously would, we wouldn't stand in a player's way, but we would have liked to have seen him play for more than one season for us. Much much as he's indelibly linked to us already in the public eye, we wanted to get the benefit of him for a bit longer, didn't we? But it looks like he is going to go. It was all about Man City. Um, they put in a thirty million pound bid. We told them we were looking for fifty or more. Uh, they didn't seem to come back with another bid. There's reports they might have done eventually, but still way short of the mark. Um, in the meantime, he put in a transfer request. You can clearly see the attraction of playing for Pep, playing at Man City, playing in the Champions League, having a pretty good chance of winning, a, uh, well, all sorts of major honours. That makes sense. But the evaluation was way short. But the twist is, of course, this week, as we speak, Chelsea have come in. They've seemingly gazumped them. They've come in with the proper offer that we were looking for. And people are starting to learn that if Tony Bloom says we want 50 million, we want 50 million, as in we're, we're not going to settle for less. It seems Chelsea have gone for that. Um, the details have not been finalised. It hasn't been confirmed. Personal terms are still being discussed, but it looks like he's going. Um, bit of a gutter, isn't it, guys? I mean, uh, going back to you again, Richie, first of all, uh, what have you made of this transfer saga, if we can call it that? And how do you see it panning out?
3: Yeah, I mean, it was um, it's an interesting one. I guess it's, it's obviously it's been not quite as long as the Basuma one, which was kind of he's been linked with an exit for like pretty much eighteen months. Um, and you know, most teams, the Sun, he's been linked with in terms of the top ones. But yeah, the Cucaire one, I guess it seemed like um, I don't know. I, I thought maybe he would stay for another year. Um, yeah. I think yeah, just I, I guess if I was, um, you know, putting my kind of Brighton fan hat on, I would maybe be a little bit disappointed that he put a transfer request in. Um, uh, I, you know, he's, he's, in, he's within his rights to do it. But I just I don't know. I just felt maybe doesn't the, the optics aren't as good. Maybe, But anyway, um, yeah, yeah, it's obviously it looked like Manchester City were going to get there. But I, I do really admire the stance that Brighton have taken in terms of, you know, we view him at 50 plus million. And um, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, coming in with 30 million bids, you know, is a bit derisory and then and then 40. And also just the way that, um, you know, they they have like, I think, asked for upwards of 20 million for like Liam DeLappa, like a 19 year old. So they're perfectly willing to, you know, push the boat out price wise for some of their players. And then and, you know, and then also, for example, Calvin Phillips, they signed in for like 42 million. so they're you know they they're happy to have it their way on transfers, but when Brighton do it their way, they're like everyone's like whoa, 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 whoa what, what, you know this is you know just you know he wants to go, let him go type thing. It's just it's ridiculous, it's an so, arrogant,
1: isn't there? There's an entitlement feel to it from, from in terms of the owners, of the club there. That you know, that's fine. You know you'll have to let him go because he'll he'll have his head turned. He'll want to join us, and once that happens, it's game over. And I think the Alwyn have learned how to adapt to that attitude and find a way to, uh, really through this this opportunity-giving uh, profile, you know, not standing in the way, but but insisting on the right price and treating the players well, by all accounts, it's all been completely congenial behind the scenes between uh, between Mark and, the, and the, the club. I'm not sure if that's true, but that's what I've heard. And I wouldn't be surprised, because he seems like a perfectly decent guy, and I'm sure they're acting in reason, reasonable terms in, in general. But the overall, it does leave a sound taste in the mouth. The overall thing of what is 100% a derisory bid, in my opinion, it's an insulting bid based on what you said, Richie, in terms of what they're looking for. If you look at defenders, they Nathan Ake. I mean, how much was it? Fifty mil. I think he was um, his deal. You know, so the fact they're looking for thirty for someone who's been talked about so much in the media, and hey, you know, people don't like to, in the wider media don't like to talk about the Albion that much today. It's changing a bit. Um, it's changed with Mark Correa, but, you know, with so much talk about him, you would have thought they would have f- at least been a bit more respectful
3: than 30 mil. Cause it, yeah. And they just, sold Zinchenko for 32 million. So, yeah, you know, if you're yeah. looking for someone who's better, but then you pay less. It's
1: just, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's not as if he's in the last year of his contract, like Basuma. You know, he's got, four, was it five years left, I think, or four years left, isn't it? Oh, four four years, years of five private deal, yeah. So... We'll see what happens. It's still to be confirmed as we record this, but I'm pretty sure he'll end up going.
0: But it looks like it's gonna to be to Chelsea and I mean but it, was, like, but it was really interesting. There was a piece on Talk Sport today about him and about Chelsea. And there was a certain amount of kind of um surprise that they were going for Kukurea, because their view was that Chelsea needs a striker more than it needs defence. Um so you know, and it still seems, I don't know whether Richie said sense that, but it still seems a bit up in the air. I thought we'd hear today, but nothing's come out, and um
2: yeah, I just... The BBC was saying that, that, you know, nothing's been sorted, it's not as advanced as some people have, yeah. have admitted, but, I mean, uh, uh, just to sort of go back to what you are saying about, you know, the frustrations of the arrogance, I think the timing's part of it as well, you know, that it's essentially a week before the season when all this has panned out uh, and i think if you compare it to the basuma uh thing that that happened immediately right and it gives the club a chance to get in a, a, a replacement if we wanted to you know we don't really work like that we buy a replacement three years in advance and uh send them out but uh the i think it's this idea that you know you've got a really great player we're a better team than you we're going to put in a a poor offer, but not only are we going to do that, you can't reinvest any of that money because before the season starts, so you're going to have a weaker start to the season. So it's it's one of those things that I think is more frustrating because of the situation rather than Kukarev leaving himself, however wonderful he is. I've come to kind of expect that we'll get to see these great players very fleetingly um, uh, and, until we you know conquer the top four and, and become the biggest team in the country. <laughs> but, the, but but until that point, um I I, I do agree and I think that the it's still a bit up in the air. I wouldn't be surprised if it, you know, City do suddenly uh come back in with a much improved offer, um if he's that important to them. Um but I also think he kind of does make sense for Chelsea. Um, you know, they they do need a left-sided centre back, they do need cover at left wing back. Alonso's got one year of his contract left um, and that they will want to make some money from him. Um he's expected to leave, I think. And it it seems like a good replacement, especially with Ben Chilwell's injury record, um, and, and a team like that who, you know, they played a, a ludicrous amount of games last year. I think they're in the mid sixties, the amount of games they played last year. Um, that that they do actually need two good players for each position. And having someone as flexible as Cupecurella would really work for them. Yeah, I think we, we
1: would need a, a replacement. At least some in terms of squad, we'd need a replacement if uh, if he went. I'm not sure what Graham's thinking is in terms of who could fill in. Leandro Trossard has done some left wing back stuff, to quite good effect as well. Uh, Solly, of course, before he had that injury, was it a couple of years ago? I think wasn't it? Um, he was on fire in that role. Actually, he was doing really well. It's really unfortunate the timing when he when he. Uh, Was struck with that, and obviously took time to come back, and then Kukurea is there. Um, but maybe he could come back. There could be a story in that. But we—that's a certain type of role, for a conventional left back, which Mark can still play as well. Um, you know, that's that's maybe where we're a little bit lacking. Maybe an alternative style of of left defender that we might need. Um, we're talking—we've been linked with Angelino, uh, who's former Man City player, actually, isn't he? I think who's at—I um, forgot where he is now. RB Leipzig, is it? I think, um, interestingly, City, and uh, maybe they won't come in for, for Marco Correa because they're now linked with the Andalek left back. Is it Sergio Mendes, is it? I think, um, who's apparently pretty well rated. I think we've been linked in social media and various other places with him. Um, so it looks like they might be looking elsewhere themselves. But I think we would need a replacement if, if Marco Correa did leave. Just if, if not for any other reason, we'd need more backup in that role. Even if we did, for example, imagine Solly to to take it back on uh, or somebody else, um I know Matoma can drop into that position as well, but uh and um, that 's not really his specialism and also to be honest with you, I think trossard's going to have a cracker of a season i 've got a feeling, and he's not just because he scored a hat-trick in that final friendly against espanol, which we won five one but just in general, I think he's going to step on i've seen i've seen i don 't know Richie what you may make of him, but I, I've i seen him get kind of gradually more consistent with those sparky performances. They're, they're getting a little bit more consistent. He's having a bit more of an influence in some games. I think he's going to have some man-of-the-match performances next season, and we want him further forward. We wouldn't want him in a left-wing-back role apart from when necessary. What have you made of him, and do you do you fancy him to be one of the the top
3: dogs next season or this coming season? Yeah, yeah I, I think he can. I think, um, yeah, it was... Uh... I think the, he sort of, he went last season, he went through like, you know, purple patches and then sort of, yeah, cold bits for a while. I, I think he was, you know, he was fantastic in the, uh, the 2 all draw at Liverpool when he played sort of a false yeah. nine. And then um I think against other teams, that formation didn't really work. So he didn't get the best out of him. But then, especially in the end of the season, he was scoring goals for fun. You know, he scored the winner against... um Tottenham he scored a great goal against Arsenal um you know he's got a brilliant individual goal against Wolves and then um even yeah it was a sign of him uh fortune was smiling on him because he just he managed to squeak in a goal against Man U he didn't know much about it but um yeah I think he's such he's such a versatile player um in uh, after the Espanol game a few of us journalists were sort of asking Graham about um I guess the match and and um He basically said that, uh, you know, at times sometimes it seems like he's best in attacking midfield and then sometimes a wing and then and he's had success as wing back. And then, um, but yeah, it does seem like if he can just sort of not have such long patches where he has, you know, not, doesn't score, I really think he could be, you know, 10 plus goals. Um, He's just, I I remember that. So one of my, maybe still my favourite sort of Brighton game that I covered was, um, Brighton, Man City. When I'm see when they came from 2 0 down to win three-two, um, yeah. uh, big Dan Burn, Bundling home the one that was fantastic. But um, he he so Trossard I think came off the bench because Welbeck got injured, and and I think the reason why he didn't start was because he didn't actually have the best game previously. But then he was just unplayable. And there's a his goal when he sits down. I think Diaz who just been voted like the Player of the Year or something like that. Um, and then John Stones just, you know, made them, just bamboozled them all. So he's got that in his locker, it's just the consistency, and you just really hope that he can deliver on his potential, because, yeah, I, I think, you know, Mopé's been linked with a move away, we don't quite know if Undab's going to be able to transfer his form from the Belgian League, um, and this, obviously there's new boys like Mciso and Matoma and stuff like that, so the pressure might come on to him to sort of deliver, obviously Danny Welbeck as well, but, and, and I do think that He's, you know, he's 27, going on 28 in December. This year, like you say I think this could be his year. And I really do hope so, because he's certainly got the talent. Mm. you yeah. Margaret, you're a big fan of Trossard as well?
0: Oh, I like Trossard. I mean, <laughs> I think his turning is just brilliant. I mean, when he's really on form. But as you say, sometimes he's just anonymous. It's strange. Some games, you're hardly aware he's there. Um, and others, he's absolutely... And what, it's, it seems he's a sort of player, it seems to me, who thrives on success. Once he's it goes well, he gets better. Do you know what I mean? And I think he's very I, I get the sense that he's quite he can get quite down with it actually. I don't know, that's um, a feeling I have. Yeah,
1: possibly so. Definitely there's gonna be more pressure on the roles because we've got so much attacking talent. Richie you've just sort of touched on it there and um we've got players coming back who we've already signed and this is the part of the succession planning. We've had them in- on board, we've got them secured with us. They've gone out on loan. We've had Undav, who was loaned back. We had Mitoma, who was loaned out to uh, USG as well. Um, and, of course, we had... Um, Kuzlo, uh, what's his name? Uh, Kozlowski. No, it's gone out of my head. <laughs> I think that's right, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah having, a, having a, one of my moments. Uh, yeah. um, those three all went out, and they all, they're all attacking talent to some degree. Yeah, one's a wide player, one plays attacking mid... One's a striker, but they're, they're they're all attacking talent that's coming in. More pay may or may not go. There was a fifteen million pound offer from Salernitana in um, in Italy. Um, whether anything will come of that or any other interest, I don't know. I, I'd imagine we'd be happy enough to keep him, but potentially willing to sell him should certain other players be available or if we've got confidence with what is coming in. Um, I'm I'm confident about Undav. I'm not going to get overexcited yet. I'm not getting my expectations too high, but I think he can fit our style and I think he can fit the Premier League well enough. Mitoma, by all accounts, is having a cracking time already and I think he's going to be great. Um, And what's interesting is the new signings. Um, We should mention them. Um, What we have brought in, I think you mentioned earlier as well, Richie, uh, Simon Adingbra who's come from uh Nord north uh, I'm, I'm again um in uh, Denmark he's gone straight out on loan to usg but Julio Enciso, who's been we've been after for a while finally have signed Libertad Asuncion of Portugal uh he's come in from usually players coming in from South America tend to need to a, assimilate to European football somewhere and they will tend to go on loan and that fits our general modus operandi. But I'm wondering if he's going to be involved in the first team as well, maybe, because he's hit the ground running, hasn't he? Um, you've seen him, Richie, probably closer up than we have in terms of the friendlies. At least I've not been to any of the friendlies. Um, have you got any kind of early thoughts on him? I know it's difficult with friendlies to say, but what are your early feel feelings for how he's doing?
3: Yeah, so... Um... Yeah, I mean, he's still only 18, which is, um, it's funny, just in this job, like, you just feel really old, because there's all these kids <laughs> coming, <laughs> just like, oh my, <laughs> Um but yeah, anyway, um, yeah, so I, I think um, he's definitely got a spark, like, he's um, uh, hes not afraid to, to shoot on site and, and take players on, which is something that, and, and be a bit direct, which I think sometimes, you know, is maybe a criticism you could levy that Brighton sometimes in the past, just not taking a shot at the chance, but um uh, I still think he's pretty raw. Like he's, you know, he's a Paraguay international and um, you know, to make your, uh, debut for your country at 17 is, you know, very, very impressive. Um, but I, yeah, it's interesting when I've, when I've seen him play, there's times when he looks really good. And then other times you just think maybe the decision-making is not quite there yet, or just the choice of things to do. And maybe it's, um, uh, I don't know. He, he tries to to go for the spectacular maybe a little bit too much, but um, I mean I, I like his confidence and his um you know his willingness to to uh you know to put himself out there in terms of you know take players on. But um I uh, yeah I'll be interested to see what happens in terms of if he is kept. I mean Graham Potter I think describes him as a a little uh, powerhouse after the Union draw the first preseason match. Um, so I mean I I think yeah it'll be interesting to see if he if he does stay. Um, I'm not sure if you uh, know uh, you know uh, the South American football expert Tim Vickery. Yes, um, yeah, we had kind of you, know him on yeah. show. Hmm. Oh, amazing! Um, awesome. Yeah, so he said um, uh, he had no doubts about Caicedo doing well. He had no doubts about McAllister, but he does have doubts about Enciso. He thinks he might be a little bit lightweight. Hmm. Um, it's you know, with when, when when someone's 18, it's kind of you know it's it's really hard to to say, but in terms of from what I've heard and and what Graham Post has said is he's really impressed so far um you know I don't think he'll be starting games, but you know he with the five subs rule now coming in, you could maybe see him off the bench and and running against some some tired defenders will be i think exciting
1: yeah, I wonder What if- you
0: haven't mentioned is Ferguson and I wonder what's going to happen to Ferguson this season.
1: Yeah, that's going to be interesting, isn't it? Because mm. he looks like he's a prospect. He's gradually growing into into a player that could could make his way, but it's a really tough uh, a really tough area of the field to try and break into, isn't it?
2: Um, I think it's worth remembering with Ferguson as well that whilst he has shown signs that he could be fantastic, he is seventeen. Yeah, and it's it's just really young, and I think there's a lot of pressure on him already. I think we've already seen one premier league two superstar um sort of really struggle under that pressure um in connolly uh and you know i i would like the club have much i'd love to see ferguson succeed and and you know he's looked wonderful when i've seen him play um i would like the club to take a much gentler approach to his development um however you know boring that is um <laughs> and uh than they did with connolly i think and and I'd be very happy if I saw and uh, spend a couple of years out on loan or spend a bit more time in and around the first team and mostly play for the under-23s.
1: Yeah, I'd agree with that. I, I, I think they should and I think they will do that. Yeah, certainly for this season, I think he'll end up on a loan uh, or or even just halfway through when we have the next transfer window. Uh, but I do think loans are going to be important there. Um, there's a restriction on how many we can have if it's going continentally now, isn't there? I think it's six that are allowed to go abroad, um, but that's the 21-plus rule anyway, so he'll it, be, be fine. Um, yeah, I I think I can't see him breaking into the team. He might get some League Cup games before he goes on loan um, or something like that. If uh, I think we've got one cup match before the transfer window Closes, I think, second round game, I think. But um, anyway, we'll, we'll see see what happens on that score. Um, Julio and Casizo, yeah, I, I, I heard what Tim said, actually, about, about him. Yeah, reservations. I think um, he's, he, he's going to need a little bit of time to get used to it. He'll probably get muscle off a little bit here and there. Um, but what I found about the South Americans, you said about not afraid to be direct and get shots off early. I found that's something that I've noticed Alexis McAllister tries to do. And I think if we think back to other South Americans, maybe Izquierdo as well, not necessarily always accurately, but um, those players try to get their shots off early. I don't know if it's a South American trait specifically, um, but I do think if he does play for us in the first team this season, and if he is able to do that, that might just open us open things up a bit more for us. And I think we might be able to find some more creativity in the box with a player like him if he can assimilate himself and get the better of defenders, I think um, he could be a really interesting signing for this season, but uh, we'll see. But Adingra has come in and gone out on loan to USG and CISO. We don't know yet. And the other one, just to quickly mention as a footnote, Benicio Baker-Wati, I think it's pronounced, who's, we've signed for Porto. He was on loan. We've made that permanent this summer. And... um, I'm not sure what's happening with him in terms of loans of 23s or what, what he's doing. But that's another interesting, young, exciting prospect as well. Um, a winger, I think, isn't he? Um, so that's, that's the inbounders. I don't think I've missed anything. Please shout out if I have. Um, the the other thing, just to quickly mention on transfers, uh, just to round off the first part of the pod, is loans. Um, we've already mentioned that Ingrid's gone out to Royal Union saint gilloise we touched on Connolly. Uh, interesting loan deal ended up happening for him. He's gone on loan to rather un, unremarkable effect recently, and in particularly the Middlesbrough loan last season, the most recent one, which apparently they were downing in their uh, well, their, their underwhelmment, <laughs> the Middlesbrough fans. That might be a polite, polite way of putting it. Clearly, there's a lot of problems off the pitch, maybe with the wrong crowd or just getting into the wrong habits. Whatever's going on, it's affected his, uh, his progress. You could argue that the, the brace against Spurs in that game really early in his career for the Albion may have come too much too soon or whatever. But he, he's gone right off the rails and he needed a change. He's gone to Venezia in Italy. Um, He was seen on holiday there, and I think there were some people online criticising, oh, why is he there when he should be in pre-season? And, of course, it then turned out he was actually there to sign for Venezia. Um, So he was, yeah, I mean, he's still got some potential. I'm kind of pretty much given up on him. However, who knows? Maybe this could be the making of him. The one encouraging sign, I'm sure you guys have seen it, um, he put a statement out which sounded quite mature, quite a wordy statement talking about how he's got in with the wrong crowds needed a change thinks this will be a good alternative place to go to to really reset himself and and go on from there um maybe go back to you on this one first Richie what have you made of, of that statement this move and his his potential to still make it
3: <laughs> I mean I, I think it was really refreshing to hear that to be honest uh, I think it's maybe a sign of you know, a good sort of maturity there. Um, he wants to have a, a reset. Um yeah, I spoke to uh Craig Johns at I think Teesside Live who covers Millsborough and, and he said um yeah, he just didn't he didn't really fit in at all. It just it, there was no real spark. There was a couple of games where he might have done well, but I think it was two goals in like twenty games overall. Um so yeah far from setting the world alight. And um yeah, I, I think uh, just maybe getting a change of scenery that, that could that could help. Um, I just feel um, it's interesting just on um, in regards to Bryson, just the the rapid progression they're going on. There's a number of players who were signed, say, in 2020, but now they're no longer seemingly good enough for the first team. That's how quick they've gone. So you look at Andy Zakiri, that he's gone out on loan, and I think that's a, a loan to buy at FC Basel. And then like Michael Kabalnik, again, is another player who I think that was a loan to buy at Olympiakos last year. Um, Taylor Richards, you know, he made his Brighton debut uh, last year and um, Mm. played a few times in the first team and didn't have a... He was very unlucky at Birmingham. He actually got injured in the medical. Uh, I think he was jumping under, like, I I think he hit his head or something, yeah, he caused a bad injury. But um, that's another example. So that's three players there who look like they could make the break for and now seemingly might be surplus to requirements. And I still think that Connolly is closer to that bracket than yeah um you know but, an or you know the kind of uh, even even like a, a Ferguson or something like that or a he so um I guess it you know just if you think of just like a human level hopefully that he can if it doesn't work out for him at Brighton, but this can lead to him sort of having a you know second win type thing and that that's good for him but I, yeah mm-hmm. I think um this is a, a change in your view, I think you should do him good
2: yeah. I think it's a a wonderful change of scenery as well. I mean, uh, not not only is, <laughs> is Venice beautiful, but um Benicia are a really interesting club at the moment. Um, so they they've oh, yeah. been relegated. Um, got the best they've got the life. best kit in in the world, but um, <laughs> they they've just been relegated from the top tier uh, in Italy. Um, and they they seem to be a really well functioning club. They're really community engaged. Um, and it's uh. It just strikes me as a really intelligent move for him. Um, you know, they're going to be around the top of the table. He's going to have chances to score. It's going to be a slightly different kind of football. Um, and, and it's it's away from that kind of, you know, a hard man championship style and and perhaps something he'll be better at. I remember when I, I grew up, I had a friend who was at Tottenham and he was sent out on loan through the lower leagues Um and he said to me once, he said that we just, you know, we were never built for that in, in the under 23s. We were taught how to play this technical football and then I uh, was off at Stevenage and uh, had Gordon Greerman marking me. So, you know, it's uh, it's one of those things where I think it makes a lot of sense for him to, for Connolly to sort of go abroad Go into a league where perhaps there's more opportunity to be more technical. I mean, it's a league where Cesar Fabregas is going to be playing in. Um, he's just joined Como, um, which is an even lovelier um <laughs> <laughs> Swan Song. But I think I think there's a real opportunity for him. Um, but I, I agree, Richie. I think if he doesn't make it out with this kind of loan spell of that surplus requirements thing, it'd be a real real shame, but but this is sort of last chance saloon, isn't it? I should add as well, Venetia, um, beautiful
1: place. I've been, I went in March and it wasn't smelly. The, this is the beauty of being Absolutely. football season. It starts just when the smelly season is finishing and it finishes just when the smelly season starting. So we could do the whole season, enjoy Venice and then just bugger off for the summer somewhere and not have to have the, the whole tourist influx and all of that stuff. It's perfect. It's a genius move, yeah. I wish him the best. I mean, I, yeah, second chances or third chances or whatever it is for people. I think, why not? You know, let's, let's see what happens. Margaret, a quick word on Connolly. On- I, I just
0: I think he got a bit of a bad reputation, really. I think he probably brought it on himself. I mean, he was the, the oh the king of diving. And I think the rest even got used to the fact that every time he went anywhere near a ball, he was going to fall over. Um, so he, he just, and I don't think he, he certainly wasn't a fan. Oh, the fans didn't really warm to him. I think he just came across as too arrogant, to be honest. On, yeah. on very little. <laughs> That's the trouble.
1: Yeah, and he was playing for Ireland as well, which, um, you know, down to resources, I guess, that he gets into the team for more, with more surety there. But yeah, that's kind of fallen away as well because he's just not been playing the games or playing well enough. But, well, we'll see, we'll see how it pans out. Interesting move. Um, Richie, you've just mentioned some of the other ones, but just to finish off, um, or just to mention Taylor Richards, that's a QPR and that's a loan-to-buy arrangement as well. Um, Seema, the guy that we signed last summer and then had injuries while on loan at Stoke, I think it was, has now gone to Angers on a seasoned loan. Um, and we were supposed to see a double move to Derby, Hayden Roberts and Carl Rushworth. Hayden Roberts has gone to Derby to link up with another Albion connection of the past, Liam Rossini, who is now the Derby manager after Wayne Rooney left. Um, and good luck to him, by the way. But Carl Rushworth in the end opted for Lincoln instead. Got a couple of mates who are Lincoln fans. So an interesting move. They're asking about him. And I said, well, he's, he's a young lad from Yorkshire. Um, looks, looks the part, talks a good game. Uh, has a good reputation, rumoured to have been once seen by a Barca scout at Worthing, which is, I, I don't know, a mixture of amusing and possibly true. Um, but he he looks a prospect. probably needs another loan. I think that's a good move for him. I don't know if you guys have got any um, thoughts on any of those or any other loans or signings that I've missed. We've probably signed a couple of youngsters somewhere, which I've missed um, along the way. I do know that uh, Chelsea have signed one of our our own youngsters, haven't they? Uh, is it, Sp- uh, what's his name, Spurge, is it? Something like that?
3: Yeah, uh, yes,
1: Zach Sturge? Sturge, let's see, yeah, yeah. So, he- so he's gone, which is interesting. So there's this flip side of what we're doing with Chelsea of picking off their more advanced level age-wise players who, like Lamptey, we tried it with Liverpool, we might be looking at Colville, we should mention as well, which is may or may not be part of a, a general negotiation with Chelsea uh, to do with Kukureya. Um, meantime, they're getting our even younger players and trying to bring them in. We'll probably nick them back off Chelsea later, but um, there's an interesting dynamic going on there, isn't there, as well?
0: The um, one that fascinates me always is Jensen Weir, being the son of... Um, of, of What's his name, Weir? coming Weir. Don't, yeah, uh, uh, he's gone off again um, to another club. Um, it's interesting to know how good he is, really. I've no idea.
1: Yeah, it's hard to say, isn't it? I, I don't know if... hmm. Uh, Jack or Richie, if you've if you've seen him,
2: play? Uh, he, he was supposed to be a bit of a coup when we got him from um, from Wigan when they were going through trouble, right? So he was supposed to, he was in and around the first team. Then he was supposed to be uh, a lot of other teams were looking at him. And um, uh, uh, what I've heard about him is that he's a really good player in his own right, and that I'm sure his father being at the club probably swayed the decision. But at the same time, uh, I think by the sounds of things, we're quite lucky to have him um, rather than uh, the other way round. Um, so hopefully that that turns into a, a first-team player um, yeah. or, you know, manages to get Vinicius, um promoted next season when we start learning. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe.
1: Uh, Richie, have you had a chance to see him or any of the other youngsters? Do you get along to any of those games?
3: Yeah, so I saw him, uh, I think he played the first half of the union friendly, the pre-season friendly at the pre season friendly at start of July. Um he I mean the with those games it was just like everyone it was like their first match, so it wasn't there wasn't too much to take away from it. It was kind of just dusting off the cobwebs really. But um mm. uh yeah I, I guess because Brighton fielded a pretty good team, he didn't sort of stand out. Um but you know he seems quite a robust midfielder um likes to I think Kenko box to box um, but, yeah, I, I think, uh, uh, I think he, he was quite unlucky last year because he had, I think, a f- he was out for a lost of the season but I think, a knee injury at Cambridge um, mm-hmm. on loan. And um, so I think he'll, he'll probably go out on loan again um, because, yeah. yeah, I mean, he's I think he's 20, he turns 21 next year. So, um, again, it just kind of goes back to that point of um, just the progression of Brighton. It's just interesting to see... Will he actually get in? I mean, you know, yeah. because there's there's you know Brighton are signing very good youngsters, you know. Caicedo is I think in the same sort of school year as him. He'd be that's a similar age and you know he, he everyone you know he's got a song now. <laughs> so um uh-huh. yeah, it's interesting to see <laughs> okay. um what, what will happen with that. But yeah, he, he looks he looks decent enough, but um yeah, interesting to see what happens.
1: Yeah. It's it, as you said, we're almost we're victims of our own success in terms of how well we're improving. There's some of those players who we would have liked to have seen develop with us and get into the team, and maybe just <laughs> they're chasing shadows here at the moment to try and keep up. Um, but yeah, I'm sure there'll be some more loans between now and then. The other, very quickly, just on the first team, we've, we've a few people we haven't mentioned, we talked about the attacking talents. Of course, one person who did break in uh, with a lot more gusto than Taylor Richards actually was Sarmiento, Very quickly got a a start at West Ham, but unfortunately very quickly got injured. He is now back, uh, fighting fit, and he could make an impression. Kaisedu, you've already mentioned, another player that might step up, and along with Trossard, um, could be shining lights this year. Um, But what about um, with the defensive side of things? We are obviously, we're looking at this Colville guy, but in terms of um, of other scenarios, we've got Matt Clark back from alone. We've got Van Hecker, who did very well, at um, Blackburn. I think they were both players of the season when they actually their respective loan, loaned-in clubs. Um, do you see both of them staying in the first team, Richie? Because depending on what maybe what happens with Duffy and obviously if Kukureya does go, um, we probably might be a bit short on numbers, particularly if the Chelsea deal isn't done with Corville. We might have to um, look at uh, keeping both of them. Should we do that? I, they, they seem to be doing well, but I just haven't seen enough of them to really know. Um, but to flesh out the squad, that might be okay, wouldn't it?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one because I personally feel that if if you've got Duffy, Van Heck, and uh, Clark, I think one of them will probably go. And I think, sadly, I think Clark might be another player who, I think he was actually Graham Potter's first signing um, in yeah. the summer of 2019. Uh, but I don't know. I just feel that he might not ever play a game a bit like Ostergard. Um Just watching him in a couple of pre-season games, he's, he seems like a more old-fashioned centre-half in terms of he's you know, very good in the air, um, quite physical. But in terms of like a, a ball-playing centre-half, he's he's more similar to, say, a Duffy than like a Webster or something like that. Um, mm. Sometimes can be a little bit uh, – I don't know. Sometimes his touch lets him down a little bit and maybe not the uh, the – he likes to drive forward from the back, kind of a left centre back role. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't quite know. I, I think, I feel there's maybe there'll be better chance for Van Heck. Um, but again, I think a lot will depend on if they sign Cole, because I, I could, I could see. Um, I think Clark could either leave permanently or go on loan. Van Heck, I wouldn't be surprised if he went on loan again. Uh, and I don't know if Duffy's going to be happy with just. Sort of playing second fiddle in as a backup, but I think you've definitely got to keep probably two of them. Um, yeah. obviously yeah, Young Hayden Roberts has gone to Derby, um, and they are short at the moment. I guess on the left, Um Alex Cochrane also he left for for yeah. Hearts. Um, and also so,
4: as well. yeah, yeah.
3: So I think I like the look of Van Heck from what I've seen in pre-season. Um, he's I think he's an aerial threat, but he's um. He's a bit more mobile than a Clark or a Duffy. Um I think he he could be a success story. Um but yeah, it's an interesting dynamic and it just depends on what Graham Potter wants because I think in the past he's talked about like the optimum squad level and you don't you know, it's a fine line to draw in terms of a, a bloated squad where players might feel disenchanted because it's not light to play and then too small and then injuries crop up. So yeah. I've just rambled along, but I'm not actually getting an answer. But I mean, it's it's a, um, it's a yeah. juggling
1: act, isn't it? There's, there's a balancing act. It's a puzzle. Uh, there's there's various things in terms of injuries as well that might crop up later in the uh, in this uh, month as well, which might cause us to need a another transfer or some other thinking. It's it's yeah. there's so much to work out. I wouldn't. I wouldn't envy being Graham at this time of year because I think there's there's so many logistics to work on, isn't there? And things to juggle, things to adapt to. um, And you never know what's going to happen. Somebody randomly comes in with a bid for another one of our players and unsettles them. Who knows what that might do? Uh, There's there's no way of knowing. But, um, yes, I think that's you're probably right. I agree with you. I think one of those will go probably on a permanent deal away, um, certainly on a loan at the very least. And... We'll see if anybody comes in in that department. Um, it's, it's, it's anyone's guess. Anyway, we're going to take a quick break there. Uh, later in the podcast, we're going to be talking about a little bit about the EFL, which is already underway. We're also going to talk some more Albion. Um, but in part two, we've got to talk about the other sensational subject of the summer, which is the women's football team, the Euros. We want it. Fantastic, isn't it? And we'll be talking about that in part two. Okay, so we're back with part two. Uh, It's me, it's Jack, it's Richie from Sussex Live, and it's Margaret. Now, Margaret, you went to three of the games at the Euros, the Women's Senior Euros event that was staged in England. Uh, The final was at Wembley. I believe you were there for that. Is that right? Oh, no, you weren't there for that. Oh, you missed that? No,
0: I went to the three MX matches. Oh,
1: oh, yes, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yes, because you went to the the non-England Amex game as well, didn't you? Yeah. I went along to one of those and bumped into you in the queue for the fish and chips. Um, fantastic tournament, I think, in general. Obviously, sensational result from an England point of view. We finally won a major trophy in my lifetime in, in, you know, in either of the uh, genders, categories. And it, it was brilliant. I loved it. I went to the... Unfortunately, I couldn't go to the Norway game, but I went to the quarterfinal against Spain, which was the, probably the tentest of the matches at least until the mm-hmm. final, anyway, um, a dramatic event where we uh, we turned it round and got the win. Um, it was absolutely brilliant. W- what do you make of it? Tell, tell us about your experiences, your three games oh,
0: well uh, i 'm so old that I remember thousand nine hundred and sixty six <laughs> I have to say I, I remember sitting my, I have a family who doesn 't like sport, so my experience of the sport is usually sitting on my own screaming my head off in various rooms um, and that's how i watched the 1966 final um <laughs> my god has been many years since haven't there uh, but i suppose particularly as a woman i, I grew up in an era where y- you couldn't play football i mean it, it It's really hard for you to understand in a way. It wasn't that you didn't play football, but you couldn't play football. You were not allowed to play football. And in fact, there was this sort of undercurrent that somehow was something that wasn't done by women. I mean, really. So I suppose for me, that made it even more special. Because it's just been so exciting. I've got friends who have um, been development officers in women's football for many years, fighting tooth and nail to get any kind of recognition at all, to get to a match, to get, I mean, it's just stupid things. Like um, you can't play women's matches at the main stadiums because uh, the women turn up on mess. They the pitch up more than men do, a of tosh, you know, but that's the kind of, and just that sort of stuff, which underlies it all. So to have something and to have Brighton, I don't know if you heard Ian Wright and Alex Scott talking at the end about the fact that many of the Premier League clubs just didn't step up to the plate. Well, Brighton did step up to the plate. They actually took the risk. They said, right, we're going to have, you know, matches at, at, at the Amex Stadium. And I can't tell you how exciting it, it was the Norway match, the first one, 8 0. Many, many, many women and children there, particularly the kids. The only difficulty was to try and tell the kids that actually that it isn't normal to have a, a, a match that nil. 8-0. And they're going, can we get 10? You know, well, maybe, but this is a little bit unusual. But the, jo- the joy there, the absolute joy and, and just the whole atmosphere. You know, I, I mean, I, I love men's football. I do. I'm completely besotted by, it, obsessed with it, really, my family t- Tells me. But the whole atmosphere of a men's match is completely different to a women's match. And I have to say it was it was a joy all the way through. Um I can well understand how Norway lost to us 8-0 because they were pretty rubbish in the um Austria match. But the the Spain, the match, the quarter final against Spain, if you watched it, I don't know about you were there, Russ. But that was just phenomenal. I mean, the, the Georgia Stanway goal, many men. Would be so proud to have got scored that goal in my in my view, and we yeah. never gave up. And I have to say that I think Serena Viberg should be jolly well men's men's manager should be far better than bloody Southgate. Excuse my language; I shouldn't say that. Sure. I've read it. You better beat that one out. But I, I just think he's uncreative. I think he's boring. I think he's, he's, his 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 selections are yeah, well, particularly, particularly his defensive picks are very dubious yeah. in my view. So um, I, you know, for me it was fantastic and i can't wait to for the, for the world cup because i think you know they were wonderful and yeah. and long may it continue
1: well said yeah well said. yeah i mean is it possible ca- calendar allowing could she do both the england jobs that would be all right wouldn't it well, <laughs> i think so women to miss out now do we yeah that's oh. uh, um, I'm incidentally, I'm taking credit for the Stanway goal. I, everyone was wearing white, um, you know, the England kits behind the goal. I was behind the goal and I was wearing some kind of brightish green uh shirt, so there's probably a focal point to aim for. And the ball came directly towards me, so I'm pretty sure she was aiming at me. Uh, <laughs> good job, well done,
0: <laughs> fantastic. It was, yeah, well done, Russ. You're
1: the
5: real hero
2: of the tournament. Thank you, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to take too much of the credit. Keep on banging that drum like <laughs> Kelly, kelly your heart out russ is russ is the real mvp
1: <laughs> yeah it no it was fantastic i only went to the one game but yeah you're right the atmosphere was superb it was great to see so many women at games i know you do see women at games but far more numbers uh children as well male and female it was great the joy on the faces there's a different dynamic yeah you you don't have the same singing in the same way it's a yeah the pitch is different whatever you want the, the pitch of the of the uh, the vocals is different I mean um various things are different about it but no less enjoyable I, I loved it it was brilliant uh, I really liked how just happy everybody was being there I know it was a happy occasion particularly with us doing so well but nonetheless Uh, We've seen. I I
0: think what was particularly interesting was that that when we went to goal down, there was a kind of about 10 20 seconds of sort of silence, Mm. but then actually it was almost like the the fans just redoubled their efforts, so there was no sense of sort of oh dear, you know, they really did go support. I think, um, yeah, brilliant. Uh, Richard, did you go to any of the,
1: uh, the games? Were you covering any of it? Uh,
3: no, sadly, we um. Can, uh, well, I think I was away for some of it, but uh, I think other games we we wouldn't have had pressing rotation yeah. from that. But um, yeah, I watched. Um, I, I think I managed to catch. Was it yeah? Because it was the Brentford behind closed doors game last. But not last season the one before, and then afterwards I went. Uh, I was in Brighton. and then We watched. Uh, I think most of the Sweden game, um, which was a really interesting one because yeah. So I watched the, the Spain one, and I thought that was. Um, they show real kind of uh, mental toughness to get through. Cause I actually thought um, Spain technically were maybe a, a, a better team. They were, especially their right winger, just had our left back on yeah. toast. Yeah. To yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, mm. yeah. And we, so we did really well to guts that one out. And then, but the start of the Sweden game was quite a nervy affair, Like they, they had a couple of gold mouth scrambles um, mm. and it could have gone way. And then we just blew them away. And um and yeah, but what one thing I love about the kind of the, the women's stuff is it's a little bit like rugby. It's just like the fans can sit together from different teams yeah. and, and there's just, and also there's hopefully it's not going to go this way, but there's just, there's kind of less, dare I say, cheating, but like there's not kind of, there's much diving or time yeah. wasting or, or there was a little bit of the final, but who cares? <laughs> um, but yeah, just, just the kind of the win at all costs attitude, uh, that's, you know, And it just makes a lot of sports sometimes not so good and I think if they can keep doing that then great because I think that's a a definite like plus for that side over the men's one so
2: yeah so just saying that though I I think something I really enjoyed about the tournament especially England towards the end of the tournament was that uh, that didn't affect the competitiveness and I think like that is something uh, that's been a bit of a myth about women's football in, in the past decade or so is that you know it's a lot nicer um than men's football and and what and for a lot of people i think that has men is that actually it's less competitive and and that just clearly wasn't true and and russ am i allowed to swear on on this yeah you can yeah, yeah. so there was, well, i already was, have yeah there was that <laughs> wonderful moment in in the final where. Um, German player uh, brought Jill Scott down and uh, the camera zoomed in on her and oh, yeah. Jill Scott yeah. got up and she went fuck off you fucking trick. Um which was just just I thought was the most fantastic thing because it was like this this sign that actually it's not this kind of like nice version of the men's game. It's it's really competitive, it's really important, like people are giving 110% and it's just as exciting. And and I I felt that, you know, throughout the tournament there was just so many of those sort of myth-busting moments. Um, and, you know, it, it sort of all culminated in, firstly, the best finish I think I've ever seen at Wembley, the, the Ella Toon girl was just, I can't get over how composed she was. It's just sublime, really. And then, you know, when when Chloe Kelly scored the winner and... You had this moment where she rips her shirt off and she's waving it around her head, and it's it's just unbridled emotion. And and I think that it just busted that myth of uh, the the kind of idea that it's it's a, a lesser game in passion, in in sort of uh, effort, in in all these things. And it, it just was a real showcase of how it's the same game and it's just as exciting. And there's interesting that
1: swirling the top round. Uh, It was interesting. Someone said on one of the podcasts about how we might have been on Twitter, actually, about how um, that was just a matter of fact thing. It wasn't about, oh, she's taken a top off or something. There wasn't any stupidness around that. It was just a a case of this is just what we're doing in this moment. And it's completely fine. It's just about the athletic element of scoring the goal, the, the jubilation. You know, there was no stupid talk about that that was great um well, a frivolous she, note, though, was great great-
3: Bobby Zamora's wasn't that Bobby Zamora's celebration
1: it was yeah yeah Chloe, Chloe yeah. Kelly of course with, the, with this winner we're talking about um yeah she's a QPR fan and she was at Wembley when Bobby Zamora scored a goal and did that uh for a playoff final I think it might have
0: been against West
2: Ham Derby or Derby, or was, Derby uh, I think yeah, yeah Richard Keogh. but so, on a frivolous <laughs>
0: note I think um, Nike sports for must be very chuffed <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Why not? Yeah. Um, but there, there was that. I mean, there were so many groundbreaking moments. It was it was the record crowd for men's or women's uh, football in the Euros, uh, 87,142, I think. Um, we had 22 goals versus two, which is a phenomenal um, return for any tournament. That's a record. We had nine different scorers. Some great goals. The goal where um, it was whipped through for Russo. She turned and scored. Was it against um, Norway, I think, wasn't it? I think, or Northern Ireland. might be Northern Ireland. Um, brilliant goal, as you th- just said there earlier. Um, the chip finish at Wembley there, Jack. That's you know, b- beautiful, wasn't it? Superb.
2: superb. Glorious. The, the, paro- <laughs> the parabola on that. <laughs> <laughs> the back
1: with Russo. Uh, the golden boot winner, Beth Mead. Uh, because she got more assists than Pop, who was injured for the final, unfortunately for her. Um, so Beth Mead edges the the golden boot, and um, it was just superb. And what's what's great is the after effect of that, um, how much interest that's that's generated. Margaret, you said you bought a season ticket and being able
0: eligible for a certain discounts, uh, you I get did. it. Up. I did for nine, <laughs> nineteen pounds. Could I just say I think that's the bargain of the year? I mean, really. That's ridiculous, isn't it? But it does. It's indicative, isn't it, of market forces, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. It's £49 I mean, pounds if, you're, um, if, if you're, you know. Yeah,
1: yeah. And it's I mean, there is only 11 home games, isn't there, to be fair. We should say that. But nonetheless, that is still incredibly But What good. is good
0: is they're, they're cashing in already because the first two matches are actually at the Amex on Brilliant. the 11th and the 25th of September, um, which is really exciting. And in fact, you haven't got to play anymore. I haven't got to pay for those because of my yeah. season ticket counts. Um, but I think, you know, just to make sure that the, the people listening to this podcast know, Amex, 11th and 25th of September for the first two WSL matches.
1: Yeah. You've been getting into the, the football. We've been a big advocate of it, the Albion ga- uh, games. And uh, particularly last season, I wasn't able to get along to any, but I'm certainly planning to get along to a couple next mm-hmm. season. That season ticket value is brilliant, isn't it? Forty nine full price, nineteen discount, two hundred and forty nine percent increase. The album was saying a day or two ago in terms of season ticket sales since the final. That's amazing. That tells you all you need to know about how much of a a positive benefit this tournament had. Many people I know have, have gone with family, friends, or have been watching at home with family, and lots of lots of kids, particularly little girls, who've just been quite tangibly inspired by what they've seen. Whether anything comes of it, that will depend. But the fact that they can believe they can do something now off the back of what they've seen achieved by what has been the best England team ever, I think, um, certainly in terms of achievement, because no one's won it before. Um, but I, I think I've seen some games in the past. I do think the standard has improved immeasurably uh, in England, certainly. Um, and it's been proved with, with how it's panned out with that result. Mm. Superb. Congratulations to all of them. Twitter went mad. The (laughs) net all gone viral. The celebrations as well. Well, I thought that um, the celebrations were off the scale (laughs) of what the players were doing. You know, some some hilarious moments. Chloe Kelly grabbing the mic and running off uh, midway through an interview on TV (laughs) was funny. I think
0: everybody wants that because I think with the the, semi final, I think they were celebrating and it was so irritating i think the entire audience was saying stop interviewing we can't hear what they're saying anyway let them go and celebrate and yeah. i think she just said uh, blow it i'm going to take the microphone and go whatever the, the sponsors thought about it i don't yeah. know
1: but final word for me well said uh, alluding to what was mentioned earlier well said to ian wright and to alex scott for putting the boot in actually at the end of the final um BBC's final coverage um, about those that weren't on the uptake, um, also about scheduling for games as well, being at yeah. times which just aren't very conducive to getting big crowds in. All of those things. Um, I think lots of lots of good good comments there. And and Ian Wright seemed to be alluding to the fact you have to be a member of the home the hosting club to be able
0: to get into games. I'm not sure if that's really true or not. I haven't looked into it. But I'm not sure that's right because I went to the match at um, Crawley against Arsenal last season. And it was yeah. a big crowd, actually. It was, oh, there was more people there than are normally at a Crawley men's match, funnily enough. Um, but there was a large contingent of Arsenal sports, and I don't think they were... I can't think they were members, I really. I mean,
2: I, I was at Arsenal-Tottenham um, at, at the Emirates uh, towards the end of the last season, and, and there were plenty of Tottenham fans there. Um, yeah. and so so i i would presume that's not the case at all clubs for maybe yeah. some um but but i did think the bbc's coverage was fantastic and that wonderful wonderful last line from gabby logan was: yeah was they, they think it's all over it's only just begun yeah. um, it, it doesn't get much better than that
1: yeah it really is true and um, yeah yeah absolutely superb and i think yeah i think what ian was saying Ian, right um yeah i may, may have got the wrong end of the stick there i'm not sure but um He was talking about away fans areas, wasn't he? But I don't think you need it. As you said, everyone's integrating perfectly well and long may that continue. And well done to, in terms of the Albion, well done to Polly Bancroft and everybody associated with the club for bringing on the women's game. Um, She's been on various medias, I think um, over the last few days, talking about Albion's angle on things. Uh, Hope Powell, I've heard uh, on a couple of interviews as well, uh, who of course is still the manager of the Albion women's team. Um, and uh, we've made a couple of signings, I think, in the last couple of days as well. The um, only sad
0: thing is that Polly Bancroft's going to Manchester United, which is a real loss. Uh, yes,
1: but yes, we should mention that as well. Mm. Yeah, that is a big loss. Yeah. But I'm sure, again, succession planning, we'll, we'll find a way through. Yeah. Um, right, well, we're going to break again and have part three in a moment. But just before, because I know you've got to go in a moment, Margaret, just very quickly from you before you leave. Um, predictions for Sunday and for the season for the Albion Men's
0: oh, oh, I hope. I'm hoping that Ronaldo is continuing to cause huge problems behind the scenes. <laughs> entertaining, uh, isn't it? <laughs> oh, very entertaining. Um, I, they still seem all over the place. I mean, Den Haag today made some comment about Ronaldo and, and finished leaving at half-time. So I'm hoping that's going to cause, still continue that problem. So maybe, maybe 2-1 to us yeah I'm, you know what? I'm going
1: 2-1 to us as well, actually. I've got a feeling this is the perfect timing to play them. It's not guaranteed guarantee that we'll win, but mm-hmm. it's the perfect time to play them because the longer the season goes on, the more chance he get gets their ducks in a row. But um, we could catch them cold, maybe, maybe. Um, we haven't got that win there. It's We're, we're breaking a few uh, ducks, aren't we, along the way, bit by bit. Um, and we've got the edge on them for the recent game, of course, which we should mention, 4-0. <sighs> revenge for that 3-2 defeat that uh, Richie mentioned earlier. Um, definitely. But um, yeah, maybe we can catch them cold. I think we'll get a result, actually. Um, it could be a 2-1 win. And uh, We might while we're on the subject, Jack and Richie, what do you reckon for the
2: for the Man U game? Um, well, I it's rather foolishly agree with Mar- Margaret and uh, I, I just have a sneaky feeling it will end 2-1. However... I don't think we've ever won at Old Trafford have we no I don't no either. so you know, uh, I'll take one all um uh but it is funny watching sort of the um it was very much the messiah coming home last season wasn't it Ronaldo and it's the messiah has been a very naughty boy hasn't he this this summer so he's uh the the recent one of him him leaving at half time in a, in a uh, pre-season match isn't good is it that's not uh, what you want your most senior player to be doing so hopefully that dis- discomfort let's call it um, continues on to Sunday um, yeah.
1: there's been many rumours of um, bruised heads from flying toys being um, <laughs> <laughs> um, flown out from a uh, pram somewhere yeah it's just I mean he's a very petulant kind of persona isn't he and he's really just p- pushing that to the full again at the moment he wants to break all records. He's kind of singularly obsessed with his own career. To be a fantastic player, and in a way, I don't mind that that whole focus. But, you know, it's all about Champions League records. He's not going to get that, enhance that with Man this season, obviously. Um, so he probably just wants to get to a Champions League club. But the beauty is nobody in particular wants to, Move in for him because his wages are probably ridiculously astronomical. Um, but there we go. Anyway, but uh, Richie, a, a prediction from you for the uh, the Old Trafford encounter on Sunday at two six uh, six <laughs> I'll take that. I'm going to the game. I'll be very entertained with a six. <laughs> <laughs> I think it'll be a score draw.
2: Score draw. Okay, so, let's go yeah, with that. Yeah. You, you won't be happy, Russ, when we're six nil down at half time. Be, I'll,
3: be, be, I'll, I'll be
1: relaxed. You, you're, I you, no, you'll do a Ronaldo.
2: You'll leave at half-time. And, uh, you just, head just, head are you behind
3: the goal? Just wear your green shirt again. and then, <laughs> <Yes.
1: you> know, <laughs> <go>. <laughs> Only when we're attacking that goal, yeah. But Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, yes, uh, Ronaldo left at half-time after being subbed at half-time the other day, in case anyone's wondering what that's about. chat was talking about there. Yeah, all part of the fun and games. more minutes left with our special guest richie mills who is the sussex live writer um just a quick word on sussex live again uh tell us a bit more about what's happening with that so how does it operate in in general does it um is it kind of like mainly working remotely now a lot of media organizations are and um how does it function generally between you and the other writers
3: yeah so yeah we're purely purely website no no paper Um, which is kind of weird to get used to because I used to do papers for a long, long time. Um, But yeah, so it's I'm the only sports reporter. Then there's kind of a news team, but I don't think they have an office. I've never actually met the news guys. Um, My home office is by the other room. (laughs) You know, it's just um, but we once a week, I am allowed to go into the the reach or the mirror offices in Canary Wharf. but uh, it's, I guess, I don't like the tube and um, <laughs> and rush hour is, is not fun. So um, it's I tend oh. to, yeah. <laughs> and, but I, I mean, what, what breaks up nice is that, you know, I get, so on Friday, I'm off to the pre-match press conference. So I head down mm-hmm. uh, to Lansing, which is just a nice little change of scenery. And then obviously, um, and then I'm off to Manchester on Saturday night Um and then obviously the game. So it kind of breaks up, but uh, yeah, mostly working from home. Yeah.
1: Oh, that's great. It's quite a nice combination, isn't it? You do get out and about when you, on, on occasions, but still based at home, which is the modern way now, of course. Yeah, excellent. Final word then, just turning it back to the Albion um, from you, Richard, before you go. Um, what did you make of the fuss and the kit itself, (laughs) of which the fuss has been about. Um, The new kit, we've got two new kits, actually, haven't we? The home kit, which has got broader, minimalistic stripe arrangements with a bit of yellow piping, and a third kit, which has been... Sorry, a new away kit, which has been announced, which is the sort of like the glowing kind of rusty amber sort of colour. I don't know what how to call it, really. Uh, What's your views on
3: it? (laughs) Uh, So... I I mean so in the kind of the the free this is my first season of the home kits the one that I liked the most was the twenty twenty one the kind of the blue the duck, not not the stripes one just the, the pure blue one. I really like that one. That was my favorite home kit. I love Hyperturk. That's great. Yeah. Um I think the uh what's is it the scorching one or whatever it's called? The 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 new second kit. Um scorching. That I've, it's, it's grown right? on me. Yeah. Um yeah. that's grown yeah. on me. And I still think I'm not a massive fan of the home kit, but um I spoke I was speaking to uh the main press officer at Brighton, Paul Cameron, and he, he said he reckons people will it will grow on people. Um but yeah, I think um I think generally these days people it's just quite a lot of over the top reactions to <laughs> this sort. Of...
1: <laughs> Again, the social media goes viral, doesn't it? Um it seems to be universally unpopular the home kit. Um, I've not found anybody in particular with one exception who's liked it I'm not over endeared to it again I don't know if it will grow on me that one as well Um, I doubt it I probably won't buy it but I probably wasn't going to buy it anyway to be honest I'm trying to curb um, spending on that nowadays but um, yeah home kit I'm not a fan second kit I'm fine with I think it's all right what about you Jack?
2: absolutely i hope it's awful like i i don't really have that many strong opinions about these things but it did uh cause me to sort of have a um unconscious hatred of it very very early as soon as i saw it um it it it's it's odd isn't it it just it doesn't look quite right which i think is a shame i'm sure by the end of the season you know it'll be uh loved but it's um at the moment it isn't one of those things where you think oh that that looks okay or that looks you know not okay it's it's very much that that doesn't look good um but i think the awake it is is fine um it's a bit similar to the um uh england women's awake it but i quite like that one so it's uh that's fine in my books
1: yeah finally then richard before we let you go just very quickly um predictions for the season where you think we might finish how we might do and also if there's any other Albion news any any gossip you can throw in feel free but, but mainly what's your prediction
3: for the season uh, I personally think that if Brighton sell kukure obviously along with Sumer who's already gone I think it is going to be tough to fill those sort of um, I spoke to We Are Brighton he said they are sort of Jupiter sized holes um <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I, I think I, I can't quite see us uh, doing as well as uh, ninth, but I, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, you know, at halftime during the West Ham game, I think we were maybe down to 13th with results going against Brighton, and yeah. then they ended up finishing ninth. So it's yeah. so close in that kind of middle pack. So I, I personally think Brighton will come 12th. Yeah, I kind of got 12th in my head. I, I do think it's hard to juggle
1: all the elements up because I do think there was so many more games where we could have taken more points and probably should have done. There are certain games where we took points we shouldn't have done as well, but it feels like there's room for improvement. But then, of course, as you said, the loss of these two major players, the, these Jupiter-sized holes uh, that Scott's described, um, are, yeah, I mean, they are um, very big boots to fill, aren't they? I think Caicedo And maybe to an extent, McAllister might solve one of those elements with the further attacking talent further forward that could fill in if they do so. But, yeah, the left side was really transformative, wasn't it, with Kukureya stepping on. That really opened up a lot of attacking possibilities as well as his excellent defending. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, we'll see. Uh, I'll get Jack's views in a minute, but I I know you've got to go now, Richie. So thank you very much for joining us for your debut. I hope you'll join us again at some point, maybe half-time report or something like that.
3: Yeah, I'd love to come and thanks so much for having me. It's been great.
1: Oh, great. Good. Glad you enjoyed it. And thank you very much. Cheers. We'll see you again. Thank you. Cheers. Excellent. So, uh, Richie Mills there. So, uh, we're now two. You know, we're rapidly just (laughs) decreasing in numbers, aren't we, as we go through this podcast? Uh, Jack, I think um, maybe when I told them it was going to be a five and a half hour spectacular, people got scared off a bit early. I thought you were joking, Russ. So yeah. it was a... <laughs> oh, no, no, now, now we go again for yeah. another four hours. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think we have that much to talk about yet. Hopefully there'll be plenty to talk about after the weekend game. Um, while we're on the subject of the predictions of how we'll do this season, I mean, I reckon about 12th as well. Maybe if we're lucky, slightly higher. What do you think?
2: Uh, I mean, I think Richie was absolutely right in that there are so few points between, um, you know, 16th and 9th uh, is the reality, that uh, anywhere, there, I, I would just like to be comfortable again, I, I really enjoyed that part of last season that, you know, we didn't go into the final month of the season in any particular bother, Um but, yeah, I'm going to be a bit more negative. I, I think we'll finish 14th. I think that there are a couple of teams, um, 13th or 14th, a uh, couple of teams that will do better this year than they did last year. Um, Newcastle in particular. Yeah, um, awesome. uh, Villa, I expect to do a lot better this year. Um, well, Everton should do better. <laughs> well, they'll do Everton better should problem. do better, but I, I'm not sure about it. There's There's two teams that I think could be surprisingly low in the table. One's Everton, which perhaps is not so much of a surprise, but the other's Leicester. I think Leicester yeah. might be in you know, I, I think Brendan Rogers is fantastic. I think the way they play is fantastic. They're really exciting. They've got loads of great players. But there's something wrong there in in terms of the finances and um you know what's going on at the club and, and clearly that they've made no signings and that they potentially might lose Fafana and they might lose Madison and elements, you know they're really important players and and you're starting to look at a squad that's looking a bit thin without the mo- and, and broken up without the money and of course um whilst we've been on the podcast Kasper, Kasper Schmeichel has left Leicester which yeah. I personally think is probably quite a good thing for Leicester but um you Know that is a uh, player who's been there for 11 years or something, so it's, it's
1: the breakup of the team, isn't it? Yes, yeah. happening. And we've got obviously, uh, uh, you, you, we've mentioned those players. Schmeichel has gone to Nice, so another, another destination, uh, shrewd destination to go to to spend your time in the south of France, not too bad. Um, but it and Vardy's coming towards the end of his peak or going past <laughs> the peak really now, isn't um, he? Yeah. so there is the breakup of that team, and I'm not sure that they've got the dynamics in, in place to step things on in the way that, for example, the Albion have got this, this planning, we're building ahead. We've got, look at who we've got coming in now. We've got, you know, Casado's only about 20 and Ceso's 18, I think it is. Um, uh, two or three of the other players, like Sarmiento, are that sort of age as well. Um, yes, Leicester have signed some players to try and build, and Fafana's one of those, but as you said, he might end up going anyway. Yeah. I think if if the dynamic's not working too well, and then a Champions League team or one of the big six in general comes in, you know, it's it's tempting to move, isn't it? Really? When when things yeah, are I going.
2: mean, I'd I'd even I can't see Fafana staying past this window. I'm talking about eighty-five million, Chelsea seem to be quite happy to pay to get their, their players They're interested. I and then you've got a uh, you know a back to really of, of Johnny Evans and Vestergaard, which is you know, I think Johnny Evans is really good, but that's a very immobile back to. Yeah. Um, and and the financial fair play issues is is worrying, I think, for Leicester. Um, but then at the same time, I for years thought, you know, the second that, um, Palace get it wrong and they have to change everything will go wrong and they'll go down and actually the the rea- reality of that is you just need to make two or three really clever signings and have a, a vision and have a good manager which I think Leicester do in Brendan Rogers uh, and that uh, and a bit of faith in that manager and, and you can turn it around pretty easily. Um, hmm.
1: So I'm suspecting, like like me, you're not expecting them to go down, but just have a a pause yeah, yeah. maybe below us, maybe. Yeah. yeah,
2: I I would be more worried about Everton. I think yeah. like that um, th- there's something. Calvert Lewin's out for the opening weekend. Um, you know, he's really struggled with injuries over the last eighteen months, and they have no Richardson. And you start to look at that in your game. Yeah,
1: really bailed them out last season as well. Yeah. I?
2: And you start to look at that, and, and of course they've got some some good players like I really like Deli Ali and uh, I really yeah. like Demari Gray and, and they they're clever players, but they're not talismans, are they? They're not they're not gonna drag Everton through. And you know, I, I don't think Everton can rely on Pickford being as good as he was in the last six months of the season. Um, because I I think they would have gone down without him. Um and it only takes a good season from Mitrovic. And I think Everton will be you know, <laughs> potentially yeah, locked yeah. out with Fulham. Um, yep. but, but we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. You
1: know. Just quickly on the on the broader Premier League. I mean, my, I agree with you about Leicester. I agree with you about Newcastle as a flip side of that. And I agree with you about Everton. Um, I think Forrest are going to be all right. Yeah, I think, I, they I think what they're doing is something quite shrewd, which is they're they're making some signings which are pertinent to, obviously, to survival. Great. But if not survival, then a bounce back. Kind of like a little bit like Norwich, I suppose you could say, uh, but maybe with a little bit more spice in there. Uh, I think Johnson getting him back on... Um, mm. Probably not a surprise that they were able to secure him for a longer term, but that was crucial. I think that is the most important signing. Jesse Lingard, people a lot of talk about that. I mean, I love Jesse. Um, yeah.
2: I'm the biggest Jay Ling fan. Uh, I, I thought, exactly. yeah, I understand yeah. why Brighton fans have issue, but I thought he was fantastic when he's with us. I think yeah. he was fantastic look at this time. Um,
1: look at his showreel, his goals for the Albi. They were good goals, yeah. actually, weren't they? The outside
2: of the... Absolutely, the yeah. But, but I also think that, you know, what Forrest have done that's really clever is that they obviously, two two of their star players last year were James Garner and Joe Spence, and, and they lost them without any financial compensation because they were on loan. And instead of going, okay, we need to fill those gaps and we, we can't spend as much, they've gone, right, what we're going to do is get much better players into those positions. Um, and I think there is that's a really clever way of doing things um, because it means that you can then hopefully take that momentum forward and you're not left with the kind of deficiencies that the loan's caused. So yeah, I agree. I think, I think that'd be fine. Yeah. yeah. And much said
1: on the Lingard deal, by the way, much has been said about that. Um, but essentially, uh, you know, he's on 200 grand a week, which sounds crazy, but it is a one year deal. If mm. they survive, it's worked. If they don't survive, it's not a problem because they're not committed into the longer term, to put it simply. Um, in terms of wages, if it is 200 grand a week, that's if it's over a calendar year in its entirety, which it probably isn't because they signed him after June, it's probably some, something less. But it's going to be 10.4 million if it's a whole year. If you're buying a player of this quality, you're going to be paying probably more than, I would imagine, the collective total of the transfer fee plus the wages. Would be more than that amount, so it's a sh- as a one-off. It's a shrewd move, I think.
2: I it think looks- so. I I do worry though. I I think the wage and and you know the overall cost makes perfect sense. And of course, it'll be more than ten point four million because of signing on fee, and that's yeah, the course. joy of a free agent. But at the same time, I think that the I worry about Forrest there because if he's really good and, you know, he keeps them up in a season, then similar to Brentford and, and Ericsson, you know, they will lose him for nothing. Yeah. Um, and Brent... and then we'll have to find a way to replace him next season. And I think it makes a lot more sense to kind of, you know, going back into Albion history, look at something like the Vicente deal, you know, that it was very much, it was supposed to be a year, but then... He was quite good and we didn't want him wandering off to a lower Premier League club. So added another year and it it, it didn't quite work out beautifully, but it was fantastic while it lasted. And I think it's surprising that Forest haven't put a bit of a failsafe in. Um, you know, they could have very easily put relegation release clause or a huge wage drop if they'd got relegated. I think I was a bit surprised about that one year. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah, I, I agree. It, it's a bit of a risky one because it, it's it's short-termist, isn't it? That's that's the oh, yeah. issue. Um, however, you know, that first year is crucial. There is also, you've got the thing of the first-year bounce. Uh, you've seen it with some clubs, Brentford to an extent, mm. last season, certainly Sheffield United, uh, recent past as well. I see Forest doing something similar. I think they'll survive. Oh, yeah. They Maybe not by a huge margin, but I think they'll be all right. A, because I think they've got that... Uh, a really good togetherness, um, which all teams have when they get promoted, but also they've got a very, very good manager. I think Steve Cooper's superb. Yeah, I agree. And a
2: a pragmatic manager as well, you know. Uh, I think one of the reasons we stayed up was um, because we just didn't come up and we played great football under defeated in the Championship. And then when we came up, we sort of went, it's pragmatism first. You have to adapt. We've got to survive, and you've got yeah. to survive first and foremost. And I think Cooper will do that. I think you are absolutely right in one of those teams will stay up. And I think you know that I, I can't remember the last time three promoted teams went straight back down. And um, it's been a long, long time since that's happened. And I think Forest are probably favourites to stay up um, out of the three. I I think Fulham could be quite good this season. We'll have to wait and see. They'll either do a Fulham and and look great but go down easily or they'll end up being quite good. I, I just think it's, Mitrovic has scored about 10 goals a season every time he's played in the Premier League bar one season and he's always looked really frustrating mm. as a neutral because you sort of go, well, he's not really playing up to his potential but if they're able to get just a little bit more out of him, I think that might be enough for them. He now comes off the
1: back of his record-breaking, his best-ever championship Uh, Absolutely amazing. If he can just transfer just a little bit more than last time, Mm. that can make the difference. Because goal scorers, and again, this with Lingard as well at Forest, they, they can make the difference to surviving. It's not easy to score goals in general at the level you're at, but it's particularly hard in the Premier League because you're suddenly coming up against so much better defending um, they're so much more composed. They, they can do all of the defending that any championship defenders can do, the Premier League, but they can play the ball out. They can play it around mm. you. They can tie you out more so you can get more fatigued in games. But Mitrovic is an old-fashioned kind of proper centre-forward. He gets his head on the ball. He's got power. He's got robustness. He's got savvy, and he's getting more and more experienced. And as I said, he's off the back of his best-ever championship campaign. Maybe he could be the difference. I think Fulham yeah. could stay up. I think Forrest will stay up. I do think Bournemouth will go down.
2: 20th place for me.
1: Oh. 20th place nailed on. Yeah. I think Leeds are in big trouble uh, because when they've, they've signed a few interesting signings, but none of them are used to the Premier League. A load of them are from the American, well, from the MLS. There's some question marks there. Some of them are interesting. They've, they've re-signed some of their youth players to new deals, which is good business, but they've lost in um, Calvin Phillips, a player who is such a difference to the, the outcome of their results. It's ridiculous how much of a difference he makes. And Rafinha, it, you know, let's, let's face it, he's a brilliant player. Yeah, um, and, and maybe
2: still Jack Harrison sport. as well, you know. Um, yeah. Newcastle sound like they really are interested in him. Um, I mean, I, I, I agree. I also think that... Everton oh. looks slightly more worrisome than Leeds. Really? Like, um, they could be I And just, Saints? What about Saints? Oh, they, they never go down. Every That's year right. I predict them to end up in the bottom three and James Ward-Prowse scores 27, three kicks from 45 yards. That's a still so, there. Though. Who knows? So, so, so for the first time in about six years, I'm going to say I don't think Southampton will go down. I think <laughs> they'll be fine. I also think Hassan Hootel's great and that uh, they'll... Um, do what they always do and you know, look lightweight but get forty-five points. So um, you know,
1: Bournemouth, Leeds and Everton but potentially or
2: full, uh, but, uh, Bour- Bournemouth, Fulham and either Everton or Leeds, I think have currently got Leeds, but I, I just you know I was what I watched the highlights for Blackpool, Everton pre-season, and Everton 1-4-2, but it really struggled Everton and it was, you know, only the sort of talent of Deli Alley and, and a few yeah. other players that got them out of that Just, and- just a quick curveball what, what,
1: about, um, what about Brentford because they've got second season syndrome mm-hmm. and strike um, they have uh, I think obviously they've lost Ericsson who made a big difference when things were going a bit stale and he spurred them on but they did start well, I, th- I think they might be alright, Wolves is the other one, um, when, yeah. when I saw them at Mo- Molyneux last season they were terrible, they were really bad um, I don't know yeah. how representative that is of the latter part of last season in general, but if they carry on playing as they did when we played them,
2: they're in trouble. No, I agree. I, I mean, I think um, I think Brentford will be OK. I think they've made one, they've kept David Raya, who I think is fantastic, um, and they've made a really clever signing in Aaron Hickey. Um, yeah, from Bologna. I th- I'm. I was a bit disappointed that actually, especially with the way things are panning out, that yeah. that he wasn't in blue and white stripe this yeah. season, isn't is it? um, Isn't it? The yeah. Um, They're the after Dansgaard as well. Yeah, I was it? about to say that, and I think that that will be enough for um, for, for Brent if they get him. I think keep Ivan Tony, get get guard, get right. it. they've got Hickey. They're starting to build quite a competent squad, in a way, perhaps you know we started to do when we had Murray up front and um, in our second and third year in the in the Premier League.
1: And I so, thought
2: they did they
1: did become pragmatic mm. as as required last season as well. Again, talking about you know how how we did it with Chris Hutton and other teams have done it as well. Um, I I really rate Thomas Frank as well. A lot of people he seems to rub up the wrong way. I like
2: him. I don't don't see why. Yeah. R- Richie doesn't like him at all. He's a, oh, doesn't he? he I no, no.
1: Come on for this bit, shouldn't we? But, um,
2: <laughs> but no, I like him. I think I think Brentford are doing things the right way. I think that he is a uh, you know a, a sort of evolution of that kind of Houghton, somewhere in between Houghton and Potter, kind of pragmatic, but they're also quite fun to watch, and yeah. I think. You know, I think they'll be okay. I think they'll be down there um, because I I think that's the nature of the Premier League. But I think they'll end up being absolutely fine. Um, But yeah, it's it's a busier bottom half of the table, I'd say, this year. Um, I I just don't think we're going to get a a Newcastle or an Aston Villa or um, a, a team like that, perhaps. Struggling down the bottom, as we had
1: that plus um, plus the l- likes of Leeds and Everton, we had all of those teams mm. doing, underachieving essentially. Yeah, and
2: Burnley. Thoughts
1: yeah. were have, have stepped on and Burnley. Yeah, as you said. Um, yeah, I, I agree. It's, would, would do you think we should be happy if we finish fourteenth, all things
2: considered? Look, I know this is going to be the <laughs> most eye rolly boring thing that I could possibly say, but. Every year we're in the Premier League still astounds me. It's uh, it's it's just <laughs> an absolute like uh, joy having. I was I was saying to a mate on Monday night, and um, I went out for a drink, and uh, he's saying, you know, why do you support? Brown? I said, well, I went to my first game. We were second bottom of the football league, so you know, I've seen us play some pretty dire football, and it's it's just wonderful getting to go to the Amex and seeing the best players in the world. And some of them play for your team. Like it's, uh, it's, it's really special. and, And I, I would be happy, uh, if we, you know, ended up 16th or something. Um, I would love it if we had a bit of a push on. And I think my view may not be representative of most fans, um, who want to see constant progress, but, for me, in another year in the Premier League is, is progress and it's fantastic. Just staying in the game—that is
1: yeah. that, the name of the game—is staying in the game. I agree with you. And yes, if we can get more success, great. But as you said, you know, watching the so-called—and I say that very scornfully—so-called goat um, shaking his head. Oh, it's was brilliant, wasn't it? Four nil. It I
2: mean, was—you know—sensational. <laughs> I got the giggles. We—it was so lovely that Man United game as well. We sort of. Um, uh, we've, we've got a, a really lovely group in front of us and at the end of the game we all had a big hug and we were all crying yeah. and um, we just were in hysterics when Ronaldo was hands on hips shaking his head after we scored the third and it was like yeah. this this doesn't get much better than this in the football does it? Exactly and coming back to Beach City a couple of seasons Oh it was fantastic
1: coming yeah. back to draw at Anfield last season mm. yeah, that that's bright that's the team I've Grown up, admittedly, they were top flight when I first started supporting them. But that's the team I've Larry seen Hunter. year after year having misery, <laughs> misery upon misery, yeah. like a stadium, fighting even to get a temporary stadium. And now here we are with a proper stadium, a proper squad, really well organised and getting results against all these teams, not not even to mention uh, from the North London
2: point of view for you and I. Oh, and, um,
1: brilliant. <laughs> it, it was it a was, <laughs> space of a week.
2: <laughs> it was brilliant absolutely fantastic that was that was a real joy I didn't you know growing up at school I, I just thought never going to experience that in my life um you know but, and, and to do it in a week was just brilliant. It's
1: brilliant. It's brilliant it's brilliant I'm really looking
2: forward to that part of the um uh Amazon Prime Arsenal documentary um <laughs> I'm, I'm looking to see Arteta do something weird and yeah, then Brighton walk on the pitch and, and <laughs> pulverize Arsenal we're
1: recording this on Wednesday, and the the all or nothing Arsenal documentary starts. I'd boil some of it or all of it is out from tomorrow, so you can all check that out and enjoy the uh, the Albion bit. We'll fast forward to that bit. I yes, think. absolutely. Um, the season starts this weekend for us and for everyone else at the Premier League. Um, it's already started in the EFL. A couple of things to mention. First of all, a curious lack of build up on Sky Sports News. I don't know if you've noticed this. They don't really seem to be bothered with it. And I had to check if they were still doing live coverage hmm. because I thought they seemed really nondescript about the whole thing. They they do have live games still, but um, it seems to have gone under the radar a bit, maybe because of the women's Euros, I guess, has distracted attention away. But um, it did all start at the weekend. I don't know if you follow it much now that we're not in it. Have you become a, a bit of a... I
2: did, I, did watch, oh. um, I did watch the highlight show, which is return to ITV I think really, yeah. um which yeah. is great great news but I think that um I was actually in Lincoln this weekend not for the football but you know I, I checked and they managed to get I think nine thousand in which is Brilliant. you know a great and you know, it's it's uh it's great to see football back isn't it? Um yeah.
1: On that subject actually I was gonna mention um Bradford who've been in, stuck in League Two for ages, they've been getting five-figure crowds, partly due to a very good price on their season tickets, but they are a big club. They had uh, a Yorkshire Derby to start with, home to Doncaster, which was a bit of a, a, a bore fest, I think. But they had 19,000 people Oof. there. This is League Two. It's Yeah, mad. And,
2: and and I've got a great friend whose who's dad's a, a Bradford season ticket holder but lives in North London and goes up um, cool to, to the majority of games, which... So this uh, is locals, you know. This is yeah. Like, uh, um So, I mean, I I think, you know, people are tribal. People love their teams. Uh, it's one of the best things about football. It's what separates it from most other sports, I think. Um, and, and that's the joy of having club football back, isn't it? Um, yeah. It's a big city
1: in a big county, and they do like to mention big yeah. a lot when they're talking about that one such club of course we've we've already uh mentioned Leeds another one is Sheffield Wednesday who are amongst the fancy teams and so um, they finally come back out of League One um with prospects is the way I'd like to
2: describe them uh, well they are the biggest club in, in Yorkshire we all know that the massive Sheffield Wednesday so they should really be getting out of the um of of League One this year shouldn't They should they? be but in the Champions League, really. I don't I don't Absolutely. I don't. According to some of their fans at least. Um but it, I did find it funny um they've already turned on David Stockdale. I had a, a little look on uh Owl Talk. Um, and, and they're, they're not a fan having conceded three on this debut yeah. despite not being at fault for any of them I thought
1: but um, well you know how it is they're yeah. brutal three all draw at home to Portsmouth who are also fairly well fancied to maybe mm. finally get out of League One same theme um, a few other bits just to mention actually the team that did get out of League One last season Wigan they've been up and down up and down they've had their finances finally sorted they're under new ownership um, but that's not the important stuff Getting promoted to the championships is not the important stuff. The important stuff is they've got a new mascot called Ooh. Krusty the Pie. <laughs> um, apparently they put a job advert out for it saying that the applicants should be bubbly, enthusiastic and fun. Um, they have got their man or woman. I don't know who it is, but um, that, that's the important stuff, isn't it, Jack?
2: That is the important stuff. And what we all want to see is West Brom versus Wigan now. So we can see Boiler Man versus Krusty the Pie. <laughs>
1: You, you, you just said it, yeah. That is the name. That's of the, game. the dream,
2: uh, and especially if they can get that uh, tiny car they use for the women's Euros uh, to <laughs> deliver to deliver the ball okay. to the centre circle straight after.
1: I, I don't know if there's a laugh or cry when I see that, that controlled car
2: thing. It's
1: awful, isn't it? Really, that's
2: what football's about, Russ. That's yes. that's what we when we watch the game.
1: A uh, couple of other bits, lines on the EFL... You mentioned best goal you've seen at Wembley might have been that 2 goal Was it you that said that, I think it was? Or was it uh, it? I
2: think best international goal, definitely. Probably, oh, goal. Yeah, yeah. probably not quite as good as, um, Alex, was it Alex Rebell who scored that stunning volley from yeah. thirty five yards or something? You know what?
1: You're right. That was a sensationally good goal. That's what, one of the things I was going to pick you up on, but you've, you've clarified with the international thing. The other one was a guy called Gary Alexander for Millwall. Oh, yeah. Do you remember that one? But yeah, you-
2: never, never missed a penalty. Is that him? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, no, that's, um, that's, uh, I've forgotten his name. That's, uh, something else. Graham Alexander. Graham. Yeah. I think it's Gary Alexander. I think that's his name. Mm. He's not a very well-known player, particularly even at Millwall, but he was in the final, the playoffs. I'm not even sure if they won. I don't think they did, but he's kind of searing, cutting volley from about 40 yards or 35 yards, um, that beat the goalie at the near post and the goalie genuinely had no chance. Mm. The shades of Gary Nelson, Brighton at Brentford in the 80s, the game mm. that 150,000 Albion fans apparently were all at. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was amazing. Gary Alexander, check it out on YouTube, guys. That was the best goal I've probably ever seen, never mind at Wembley. Um, and the irony is I don't think they even won the game. I'm not sure about that. But uh, yeah, but there there are some brilliant goals in the EFL every season. We've already had some. I've got to mention Tom James of Orient. Um, He had a 40-yard pile driver with his left foot into the top corner. It's as good a goal you'll see this season. That's already up there for me. Um, I've also should mention that um, I think it's John Moncur, former West Ham player, who I'm hoping to get on the podcast in the preview to the West Ham game. As it turns out, he's my um, my cousin's husband's brother-in-law. <laughs>
2: really close then.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yes. So on that basis, I might be getting him in uh, pre-West Ham. His son, George Bonker, who's... from newton, a- doesn't he? A- oh, yeah. And- yeah. As well. he's, uh, he scored on his debut with a penalty as well in that same game for Orient in their win. Lewis Travers scored a worldie as well for Blackburn, by the way, at the weekend. Um Burnley, my man Scott Twine, who I really rated at MK Dons, he's gone mm. to Burnley. Burnley have lost Pope, they've lost me, they've lost Tom, they've lost McNeil. They're probably going to lose Cornell, uh, Maxwell, Cornell, Cornell, Cornet. 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 to I think it's West Ham, West Ham, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. They seem to have reinvented themselves. They're playing a more entertaining style. Vincent Company's come in, interesting. Burnley fans are not used to this, surely. They must be thinking, what's, what's this? <laughs> what's all this passing going yes. on there? Um, they, they won away at Huddersfield, opening game of the season, Friday night. Um, my man Twine came on as a sub and hit the post from a long distance with a free kick. He's a specialist. Look out for Scott Twine for free quick, free kicks, even. Um, uh, pretty good. Interesting to see what Burnley do. I can't stand them, I have to say. However... At least they might be more palatable to watch, I, I think, at this stage, maybe. Do you, do you fancy them bouncing back up?
2: Yeah, I, I mean, they they probably should. There's a lot of teams, though, at the, around the top of that championship that, that should come back up. I, hmm. I mean, I hate to say it, I, I think Watford will be back up, I think. Oh, they, boring! <laughs> they they just, in a very boring way, they, yeah. they just know what to do now to get back up. Um, uh, and really... West Brom should be coming back up as well. Um, yeah. it, it, they're starting to sort of linger a bit too long, I think, and, and that's very unlike them. Uh, so there's just a lot of teams, I think, at the moment who are uh, really should be getting out of the Championship. But that's why it's exciting, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's all so competitive. Each of the divisions and the national as well are all so exciting, so competitive. And, um, <laughs> and my cat's attacking me with her tail. Um and um, they're, they're always entertaining. The quality may not be as good as other divisions, but it's always entertaining. It's always good to see. Um, I don't know if you remember Pete Wilde, who used to manage Oldham and got them on a great cup run. And he was interviewed a lot at the time. I can't remember who they played. Um, he was very unlucky not to get AFC Halifax promoted from the National League last season. As a result, unfortunately for them, they've now lost him to Barrow. They got off to a winning start against a team that's followed them into the league two this season, Stockport. They went three nil up. It ended up three, two. So uh, honours to Pete and to Barrow, which is interesting. Um, but that's not the important stuff. The other important stuff is Lee Tomlin. Season camp oh. later,
2: Did you see what happened? Yes, <laughs> it, was, it was the highlight of the weekend, wasn't it really? <laughs> Talk us through it then. Go on, go on. So, I mean, I'd have to refer to my dad to see if it was a correct decision, but, um, he he fouled the player and, yeah. and stood in front of the free kick. Yeah, and then a while. yeah. As as the referee told him to move away, he, he kicked the ball petulantly about four yards away. Um, and the referee ran over and and
1: gave he him actually rolled king. it. Actually, he rolled it through the the potential free kick takers. Uh, uh, with yeah.
2: With his hands, actually. Yeah, yeah. And so, then and uh, then it was yeah. a player sort of ran through to push him, and he. The referee told him to go away and he tried to steal the ball back and it's just bizarre <laughs> really wasn't Why it? Again? Yeah. yeah it was just bizarre. He just sort of decided that the rules <laughs> wouldn't apply to him for three minutes or something. And that the referee would just let it all slide and he could be, you know, completely petulant and and uh, I mean they defended him on the ITV highlights and said it was a it should have just been a yellow and uh talking to but i I think it was continued descent um yeah. it was it was time wasting descent and yeah. he, he's an idiot i mean he, sure. he stood
1: for quite a while in the way, even for the highlights they showed you yeah. can tell it was quite a while he was standing there, obstructing things, then he rolled the ball through the player's legs, so that's that's the booking hundred percent yeah then he kicked the ball away again um in the same way that um who was it Brighton at villa kicked the ball away i can't remember who it was now. Um, which Peter hated. He was so fuming about the fact we got booked for it. But he did that again. So on that basis, he should get booked again. The ref let him off, so he's still on one yellow. And when the, the other player came over and tried to push him or do something very incidental, he fell over as if he'd just been kicked violently on the shins. And that's actually, I think, why he got the second booking. Which is interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought it?
2: he was trying to, like, wrestle the ball off of the player or something, it was. Well, yeah. to, and it was just, like, it was just time-wasting, wasn't it? And it was it was ridiculous. Ridiculous first game of the season. Yeah, well. exactly. And he's, I mean, he's a good player,
1: certainly for the lower levels. He's not, he doesn't have an athletic physique, let's put it that way. Yeah. He's in the lead trundle mould, he's in the... Matt Letizia mold, I guess, with extra anchovies. He's, he's kind of not a... He's not a thin guy, but he is very technical. He's very good. He'll uh, be a big loss to any team, and he'll get a, a one-match ban. It's stupid. Um, my final word on the EFL, if you've got anything you want to throw in, feel free, Jack. My, my final word was watch out for Crawley. They've signed Dominic Telford from Newport, which is a brilliant signing. They've changed things around a lot. They've got these um, Bitcoin or... Um, uh, what's the other expression? N- non fungible token. Yes, non fungible tokens. Um, NF, NFTs. Um, owner who's come in, I think American, I believe. Uh, and he seems to be doing some interesting stuff at Crawley. Uh, they've rebuilt things. They've got Kevin Betsy in as the, uh, as the manager now, former player who was with Man United's youth set up, I think, or Man City's youth. Um, looks interesting. Look out for them. I reckon they could do quite well this season. Uh, but it was an entertaining opening weekend. I'm sure I'm going to try and get to a couple of games to tick off grounds this season. Um, I don't know if you do all that ground-hopping stuff as well, do you, Jack?
2: Uh, not, apart from with the Albion, um, which I, I've been to about 50% of the 92. Um, oh, but, but that's what happens when you uh, you grow up supporting a team in the bottom tier that eventually get to the top tier.
1: Yeah, I think we've ticked off more than Arsenal fans, haven't we? Yes, Definitely. <laughs> Excellent. So that pretty much wraps it up for me. Um uh, from my side of things. Um obviously there's plenty more to look forward to in the coming months and weeks. We hope you enjoyed the Peter Ward um interview that we did most recently. If you haven't checked it out, it's well worth it. Legend, of course. Uh of albin Solwart and he's just turned 67 as well happy birthday to peter um i've also just done a film fives podcast with my mate phil also an Albion fan um where we give our top fives on a particular subject we've gone for heist movies this time check that out plus our back catalogue as well if you fancy it um we're part of sports social thanks again as always to them and also, if you can review us, please do. Five star reviews will be welcome. It will help our um, algorithms and various other ailments that we have. Um, <laughs> so, on that note, that signs us off for this episode. I have also spoken this week to um, the Littlehampton Town Chairman, Robert McAleese, um, initially with the concept of doing a non league special having trouble getting hold of the other people I want to get hold of. So that may appear at the end of this podcast. If it does, you'll hear that in a moment. If not, stay tuned for a non-league Sussex uh, podcast coming up soon. Either way round, we'll be back with a match report and review of the Man United game. I'll be up there. Peter will be up there. Jack, are you going as well?
2: Uh, I will be there, yes. Um, and- no, sorry, I won't be there. I won't be there. I'll be watching on TV, um, but I'll be at the following five fixtures. Um,
1: go and so a quick epilogue to the latest episode we've just been down at the fans forum on Thursday it is Thursday the 4th of August the season kicks off in just a couple of days de- Well, three days time for us a couple of days time for the rest well one of them's on Friday but anyway that's not <laughs> the point <laughs> I'm, I'm here with Dom Dom Wales and I'm with Alan Dodds um, Dom first of all you enjoyed the forum. Usual classic range of
4: questions. I did, yeah. It was a classic range from, um, you know, your non-dairy milks to, um, <laughs> you know, how they can fit more buses on a coach to, you know, whatever. But uh, no, very interesting. Um, I found it very insightful. Yeah. Very good questions. Um, especially, obviously, with this unusual situation this season with the this imposed break because yeah. of the World Cup. So, um, yeah, I think overall it was a very, very enjoyable fans forum. And, of course, I you know, I did manage to get the chance to ask Graham afterwards whether he wanted a second-hand cooker Yes, you did, yeah. You know, maybe uh, soiled from Leeds away, but <laughs> unfortunately he declined the request, you know, if, if he wanted it, but um, politely declined. But that's understandable. Yeah. So, yeah, anyway, maybe Alan, yeah. before I whittle on anyone. the
1: problem is supply and demand there, isn't it? A well, lot of exactly. people are looking to gather them
4: now. And, uh, well, well um, I mean, but maybe it'll be a collector's item yeah. not, so, not yeah. so long away. So, yeah.
1: Amid, amid speculation, <laughs> well, of the about his departure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> firmly put down. By Mr. Barber yesterday uh, for all the social media nonsense that was going on, and fair play to him, to be honest. And, and tonight, and Alan, as well. And tonight again, yeah, yes, yeah. Good.
5: good. And Alan, did you enjoy the full one? I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's the first time I've been to one of these because. Uh the more re- more recent ones have been online because of the COVID situation. Yeah. But uh, one thing it was nice actually to come into another part of the ground. We would have been in this salubrious area. Yeah, the Wind Baxter. The storm Wind Baxter area. So yeah. And there was a big turnout, there's a good turnout of people, yeah. which was good. Yeah. And it was, there were some good questions. It's always yeah. difficult in this situation uh, to ask questions, but the timing with the Cucurella situation was interesting, yes, uh, because yeah. I, and I think uh, and I think they must have agreed in the green room behind that they kind of tackled that one straight off. Yeah. yeah. So I think uh, Johnny kind of asked mm. the question straight away. Straight away. Yeah, yeah. So they got that one out of the way because yeah. they, that could have been uh, quite a few of really the questions, really. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I managed. I managed to talk to um, to both Paul Barber and, and Graham yeah. separately yep. after our post matches, if you like. Yeah <laughs> they've, been, they've been very good uh, Having photographs taken uh, Which is really good And i am yeah. managed to say to Paul That I I was very happy With what the club did last night With the announcement I thought they kind of Knocked that handle on the head Because Twitter yeah. was going Absolutely Yeah Furious And Whatsapps And all, all kinds of things And then basically That club announcement Just basically Bang yeah. it's, it closed it right down And today it's been really Yeah this really is, quiet. So it's really been really good. So. This,
1: this is, of course, on the basis that there was claimed a fifty-two point five million pound deal had now been agreed. Exactly. And that it was all going ahead, which yeah. apparently is not the case at all at this stage. No, no. Or at least as we record
5: anyway. No. Yeah. I think, I think uh, you know, at the end of the day, Man City, yeah. these big top, top top six clubs, they may have better players as yeah. and, 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 and and win trophies. But there's one thing that they can't. We, we can actually match them for. Is how yeah. we actually want to do our negotiations. There we want to do our business. Yeah. Off off field business, and we should. You know, and, and you know, they, they can't control that. And that's what no, we need to do. And, so. and there's
4: no reason for us as a club to be bullied by yeah, that. And, and why shouldn't? You know, at the end yeah. of the day, business is business. Yeah. It's not like you can go into. I don't. Okay. there's. There's a certain amount of haggling one can do on a certain... But it's like going into, I don't know, Tesco's and saying, oh, your pint of milk is this, yeah. and then going, oh, actually, I just want to pay 40p for it, yeah. you know I mean? There's a pretty bit
1: on Twitter when <clears> the <throat> City were bitching, the fans are bitching about us not playing ball with their plans. There was a great analogy saying, just gone in, had a lovely meal. It's um, a £55 meal, and um, we wanted to pay uh, the, the ingredients £15. And we wanted to pay thirty pounds for this meal, but they're saying we should pay fifty-five. And we we're really annoyed that you are not accepting our thirty pounds yeah. in this restaurant. Yeah, you know that's basically a great analogy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. that's where we were at with them. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah, it's yeah. yeah. And, go then,
5: and then, there. and then uh, with Mr. Potter, I actually, I, I'm, I don't feel embarrassed by saying this, but I actually told him I loved him. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> well, quite it's right. beautiful. <laughs> So yeah. there's a little bit of man love there yeah. and you uh, know because I think he's done a fantastic yeah. job I'm so proud of the club and the way yeah. know, the way yeah. things are going and I'm really looking forward to to the start of the season mm. yep you know uh, let's see how, how it goes I mean that's yeah. yeah exactly yep.
1: Yep. I flagged up the fact that um, he's got a 24% win rate without the beard 32% win rate with it <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he didn't seem convinced that, that was a telling factor in uh, any upturning results but um, you know coincidence maybe not I think it is. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, on that note, we'll wrap it up. But it's been good. Good to see you guys. Yeah, good the, to see you again the weekend. Uh, after the first season. You're, you're going to United, aren't you? I'm United, not going to United, no. no. I'll see no, you for but, the first uh, home game. Yeah, I'll be there. Dom, so you nice. are going. I am.
4: Fact- go- no, uh, yeah, I will be there uh, for mm. Manchester United away. Yeah, Excellent, great. Yeah. Um, so I'll see you there. Absolutely. Yeah. Looking forward
1: to it. Excellent. Cheers, fellas. Until the weekend. And so, as the week progressed, the saga continued. There was a further twist. As you will all by now know, a deal has now been formally announced by the club for the sale of Mark Cucurea. He has now gone for a fee that they didn't disclose, but which Sky Sports News, amongst other outlets, are claiming is a deal to £63 million either immediately or through add-ons, who knows which. That's what they're claiming. The club aren't saying. But a deal has now finally been agreed and it has been announced as being a club record transfer. So Mark Cucurella does go to Chelsea. Uh, The saga is over. Uh, The other part of that equation has also now been announced, which is that... Uh, Colwell is coming to the Albion but only at least at the moment on the basis of a season long loan so he's joined us welcome to the club to him let's hope he can hit the ground running if he is involved in the match day scored for the weekend let's see how that goes but that has finally concluded this preview so we can now publish it hope hope you've enjoyed it and um, we'll move on with a match report uh, probably being recorded on Monday. We also have our non-league special still to come. We've put that back till next week, so stay tuned to that in the coming few days. In the meantime, thanks for listening, and as always, stand or fall up the Albion.
0: Sports Social Podcast Network.